you know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters roaming around your neighborhood, eating up all the children who are tucked in their beds like little human burritos? The Monster Squad, a podcast that isn't afraid to check under your bed, a podcast that isn't faint of heart to delve into the darkest corners of your domain, a podcast that isn't scared to kick Wolfman in the nards. When strange things start to go down in your town, who needs a crucifix when Monster Squad has your six? Give a sinister scream for your host Simeon and co-host Ash. I'm your host, Simeon. And I'm your co-host, Ash. And this is Monster Squad. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> first, uh, first kind of uh, host, co-host. I've had a guest before, but this is uh, like the first thing going on where we're actually, we got multiple um, things going on. I actually have an actual co-host, which is, that's crazy. Across the seas. <laughs> right? Um, recording all the way through Discord across the seas in another land, possibly another dimension. We don't know. Yes, almost that one. <laughs> right. All right. So yeah, this um, this podcast is a rated E for not everyone. It's uh, it can be explicit. I just I, I say that because uh, I never know when I'm gonna say uh, shit, fuck, damn, or any of those those <laughs> words. <laughs> And this is also a heavy uh, podcast for uh, non-official sponsorship for brewing companies, but I like to crack one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get that noise on the, over the mic, the crack. Because <laughs> I was like, kind of whoop ass, I can't. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's just let's just get kicked in. Uh, what's new? I don't have any um, trailer talk nothing new really uh that stood out to me that i've watched recently trailers um which i try to keep that within the week i haven't i haven't really seen anything uh noteworthy no i know that steven a lot of steven king movies are resurfacing ever since it so but i've, I've seen nothing new yet yeah i resaw the the doctor sleep trailer in theater and and on youtube as well so but yeah uh, that's kind of it's kind of an interesting thing because uh also in the tall grass which he co-wrote with his uh his son is i think going straight to netflix yeah i think so i, I don't know if i agree with that yeah you know, with it going to netflix yeah i'm not 100% sure on that i don't want to 100% say it but um in the Tall Grass. Let's yeah, uh, it says Netflix. Um, that little um, in the top left-hand corner of the trailer, it's got that Netflix symbol on it. It might be a Netflix exclusive. It's apparently really got some got some good reviews. Fantastic uh, fest review. Um, oh yeah. It was a solid Stephen King adaption from what I'm reading here. <laughs> Yeah, it's rated um, eight out of ten on IMDb. So, I mean, I there's no uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but that rotten son of a bitch tomato, anyways, like it steers me wrong so many times. Yeah, same. I'm, I'll, 
I don't know how it works. I'm not quite trustworthy of it. IMDb, at least IMDb, you know, you can trust it. And same as Google reviews. As much as people don't like Googles, at least it's by users and not by critiques. Yeah. So I like to look at that. Did you hear too about um, Rotten Tomatoes um, was able to like filter? I mean, they still can filter, but um, so they opened it up to. Uh, I created a, a, a review account for them, but. Um, you have to like establish yourself before you can start getting in there. But they were able to like filter, I forget which movie it was, but they like filtered everyone else's uh, reviews and they only kept like, I think it was like a handful of people. So they can like, they can manipulate what you see in the beginning. Um, kind of like Wikipedia in a way, they can alter it. Just like if they're not happy with like reviews, they could, they could just change that and then put what they want in. It sounds is that what I mean? Um, the the company Rotten Tomatoes itself is able to manipulate like, oh, we're only going to show you like the these eight or ten uh, critics their review, and then that's the score. Then they waited like a week or two before they open it up to everybody else. So it's kind of like manipulation in a way. Wow. Yeah. Also, shout out to Patrick Wilson. I didn't even know he was in that <laughs> in the Tallgrass. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm a, I can enjoy it. I'm a fan of him. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Yeah. It was funny. Actually, I was talking today um, to my friend. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's because of It, the movie coming out, but a lot of Stephen King movies are like, coming out now and they're like, resurfacing. Children of the uh, Corn, Pet Cemetery, It Chapter 2, um, In the Tall Grass. I mean, after it, Gerald's game came out and 1922 came out. Oh yeah. It was 2017 after when the first it came out. Did you like Gerald's game? Um, obviously, I am. I actually own. I must own about 90% of Stephen King's books. Yeah. And the book is, I think, with all Stephen King's, to be fair, his books are so much better than the movies because, of course, he wrote in a time where. His books is like the Quentin Tarantino's of movies, if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah. He wasn't afraid to say certain things, exploit certain things. And Gerald's Game shows you a lot from the book, but it doesn't show you at all. Because, you know, Gerald's Game is quite quite gruesome and quite, you know, freaking when you read the book. But the movies, it hold, I think it holds back. But I did enjoy it. I thought it was all right. Yeah, I actually liked it. Um, I, I kind of like... I, I own a lot of Stephen King books too. Also, that's kind of funny. Um, but I I, I kind of go open minded and everything because so books are um, so widely interpreted as far as like and when you make a movie, it's your own tr- interpretation of what you read and everybody. So like you can re- you and I can read the same book and then uh, we'll each like picture different things in it. So um, in a way, it's difficult to make a movie out of a book and please everybody. Most definitely, but um, I'm not. You see, I'm I'm fine with a movie adaption. I'm like, I can watch a movie and appreciate the movie, even if it is not completely the same as the book, because it is a reimagination on screen. You're not reading it, you're seeing it like live in a way. So I appreciate that when it comes to movies, anyway. So for sure, yeah. I uh, I I would say uh. All of Stephen King's books are better than his movies, except for one. And <laughs> he'll disagree with this because he hates the movie. The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, is actually better than the book. <laughs> see, I didn't see 
the most recent pet cemetery. Oh, you're not missing out. Apparently, apparently it had a, a, like two endings. Like, like one was meant to be very good and one was meant to be very bad. I don't know if this is true, but I read it somewhere. So I don't know what ending it is. What ending did you see when you saw it? I saw the theatrical ending um, where everybody's fucked. Like, um, <laughs> oh man, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, it is a horror podcast. I think spoilers is, is a given. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, and I forgot to say it in the beginning. This is also a spoiler heavy. Unless if I say, so my Fresh Kill episodes all release the same day as a, uh, a movie comes out. And it's only about like, you know, like 15 minutes long. I'll, I'll quickly record that. But those ones I'll try to keep. I separate non-spoilers. And then towards the end, if I want to, I'll say, Hey, tune out spoiler time. So yeah, I guess that's a given. I don't care. And these longer episodes, uh, yeah, we're, we can say whatever. So, <laughs> but backtrack. Um, but yeah, everybody, the one, the theatrical version I saw, everybody just gets, everybody's just fucking wrecked and everybody turns, gets turned. And then they come to the vehicle and, um, the little boy gauge is sitting in the fucking car he's so the little boy gauge i swear they could be relate he could be related to like the original gauge in the original pet cemetery yeah they look so similar but um he's sitting in the car and they surround him his whole family his whole fucking undead family surrounds him and then uh and then it it kind of cuts to black i think after the you hear the the car unlock or whatever and then cuts to black and then uh an awesome song in the credits i don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery there's like a punk song that starts at the end yeah i love that song (laughs) is it is is it is just as good as the mist ending oh man no i mean um it's it's fucked, but it's not it's not uh, executed as well as the mist ending. The mist ending, you know who changed that, right? Um, um, oh, the guy from The Walking Dead. Um, I can't even think of his name right now. I'm gonna have to. One of the yeah, one of the the writers of The Walking Dead. He he does a lot of. Um, the episodes you know how they take turn in the walking dead so you like never know who's all um yeah yeah that's a that's a, that's a thing with series these days isn't it? you never get one director doing a series anymore you always get multiple directors they did it with dexter and it used to piss me off because some episodes would be fantastic and then one episode is like what happened and you realize it was a different director that directed it like fuck yeah so oh he's an executive producer on the walking dead but he's also um he also writes some of the episodes. Greg Nicotero. Um, All right, okay. So, um, Greg, and let me, I'm going to fact check this because uh, <laughs> before I, yes, he did. Okay. He was a creature designer. 2007, The Mist. He's credited as. Let's see. Yeah, I need to fact check this because I'll hear about it like a year down the road or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Uh, Talking about like fact checking and stuff like that. So, of course, before this podcast, we were talking about werewolves and stuff. Yeah. what happened to them i was doing some like you know research into dog soldiers and i was like you know i wonder if there's anything cool and i knew most things and you know what i mean 
but there's one I didn't know that. You know the actual werewolves in the movie, and like they were like seven foot tall. When especially like when you see them in the bedroom, you know they, they scaled the roof. Yeah, they're on like stilts, of course, as you can imagine to get that that height. For sure. They're not actual actors. Apparently, um, they hired dancers to be the wolves. Oh well, I mean that's that's probably better. Um, I would imagine that's better. It's really funny because then when you rewatch the movie, knowing the dancers, you can see it because they move. There's a scene when they're like sneaking into the house. They move very majestically, like like how dancers would. And it's it's strange after noticing that fact um, and then huh. rewatching it, you can see it. Yeah, I mean, I was I didn't know that part of it. Um, so when I rewatch it, I'll probably pay more attention to that but so i just fact checked uh, uh okay good thing i did because it was written the mist was written and directed by frank uh darabont which is also involved in the walking dead but um so greg nicotero is the special effects guy and executive producer but yeah okay so good thing i fact checked so frank he write he rewrites the ending because it's not the same as the stephen king version he rewrites the ending he's like uh hold my beer check this out and stephen king loved it he was like this is better he even admitted that it was better than his ending that he wrote in, in the um i believe the mist is a novella or short story not a full book yeah I've, I, yeah, and um, going off topic here. Apparently, that um, Frank Darabont he also screenplayed uh, the Green Mile. He did the screenplay for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's another. Uh, so that's another one that people don't recognize as as Stephen King, the Green Mile. A lot of times, um, you know, there's those ones like in the Shawshank Redemption. They're like, what? That's a Stephen King movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, well, well, it must be tight with some of these um, you know horror people because he also did apparently Nightmare on Elm Street 3 oh the screenplay of that he did the screenplay of The Blob and The Fly 2 <laughs> oh man this guy this guy's done his he did the screenplay for the Shawshank Redemption yeah that's crazy he's done, a, he's done quite a bit of stuff yeah he's been uh, heavily involved then He's been all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So. Get into this guy. Right. They're all over the place. Any guys like that? Um, Greg Nicotero, Frank Darabont, um, and then uh, you get into the more special effects. Um, A lot of those special effects guy, they, guys, they stick around, you know, because once you once you hit it as a special effects specialist or makeup person, you kind of like stick around because people trust you. I've I've heard uh, horror stories, no pun intended, actually, yeah, it was, <laughs> of uh, special effects people getting in, in the on the movie set and just fucking reeking, um, just being so bad that they have to fire them. Like one of my favorite zombie movies. Oh, we're getting sidetracked right now. But one of my favorite zombie movies, uh, Return of the Living Dead. They had to get rid of some guy that just fucking sucked ass. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, um, uh, you're talking about like uh, some of the actors and stuff. They got the so. I am you know like the Insidious franchise is a big franchise. A lot of people. Oh yeah. Like them. Yep. I'm not the biggest fan, which. Sorry, if you are. Um, 
But I learned recently that the the red demon, you know, the red like Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, Darth Maul's like method cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's actually the music composer who plays him. Oh. She, uh. and then he continues to do other stuff in some other movies because he did it so well, I guess. Yeah, to each their own. Um, I like the, I like the Insidious, but um, the, to me, I wish they would have done the demon slightly different. But I mean, that's just personal preference, because um, Darth Maul was before Insidious, so you kind you kind of gotta like. I mean, do these guys watch movies? They're like, oh, nobody screened that. Like, hey, this guy kind of looks like Darth Maul a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking Darth Maul. What the hell? Yeah, what well, fuck is meth head cousin? What the hell? <laughs> but I do appreciate in that one they uh, they pop his face out in broad daylight. Fuck yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm quite easy when it comes to jump scares. It, it takes quite a bit to get me going with a jump scare because I I don't know if you are saying when you've watched movies for so long, especially horrors, you kind of get this this idea that a jump scare is coming. Yeah, you can you can um anticipate it and I am a little bit desensitized to it but it can still get me but well Insidious is one of the few movies that got me because it's that scene when they're at the table and they're they're talking about the red demon yeah there's no music there's no tension it is literally you just think oh they're just telling us about the demon then he's behind you know the main guy and and you're like what that actually got me it's genius actually because um it's in broad daylight you don't expect it yeah yeah i I can appreciate that and of course there's no music too of course that's like a a big giveaway when like something's coming in most hours so yeah oh and that was uh that was patrick patrick wilson wasn't it sitting at the table when then i think it pops up right behind wasn't it i believe so that's where the franchise yeah yeah um and you then you have like the the conjuring universe has gone so so widespread but yeah that's another that's the topic for another day i think <laughs> but yeah you mentioned fantastic fest that's actually going on right now um in austin texas september 19th to the 26th and i didn't know about it till it was too late and um I actually want to attend this maybe next year. It's like right in the middle of my, right around my birthday. Um, oh, right. So like I'm, I don't know. I'm like all sold because I just saw um, something pop up on my, uh, my VOD on Voodoo. Um, loose, Loose, L-U-Z. Um, and it premiered last year at Fantastic Fest. And the trailer looks freaking wild. Um uh, if any of you want to check it out there, it did pop up. It's brand new on VOD. So um, it was, I don't know what it won at the Fantastic Fest, if anything, but its it's gotten big enough to get a VOD release on Voodoo. I mean, uh, that's got to count for something. Well, um, just looking at the... Um, looking at the... Fantastic Fest. This looks interesting. I think I've seen the trailer to this. I'm not quite sure, but Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I don't know about that. I, I've avoided everything from... Is it this year? I think so. Yeah, I do believe. Um, yeah, I've avoided everything from this year to like... Uh, I want it to be all all fresh. I kind of want to get some vibes from Fantastic Fest because it's still going on too. So, And then hear back from it. That'll be a, a time when me and you can meet in person, and fly on down, and go to Fantastic Fest. Hell yeah, we should do. We should plan that for. Uh, yeah, it's far enough. It's a year away. We could probably make it work. Um, 
I've never been to to Texas actually, but me neither. But uh, yeah, well, uh, everything they say everything's bigger in Texas, so maybe the horror movies are bigger in Texas. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because of course the other day we were talking about this and going slightly off topic, but not too far. I was thinking about when we were talking about like how because I live in Britain and you live all the way in America. I was thinking like how horrors are so different in, in a way how like you if you see like a British production team make a horror and an American production team make a horror and how they are so different because of course you know it appeals to different audience I guess in a way uh-huh. like how music works I was thinking about like you know Wrong Turn which is like American you know you know horror and like these redneck type of hillbilly thing <laughs> you know what I mean but then, if you watch like, think, like American Werewolf in London, I know it's American students in London, but it's you know it's like a bit more dark and grittier, and it's because of England's a dark country, and it's kind of more gothic in a way. Yeah. I was thinking about it the other night, and I was trying to get some ideas in my head, but it's all flowing out. But it's quite quite interesting to look into when you look at these different types of horrors in different countries. Yeah, um, and what people. A very good one. <laughs> right and uh in which uh which countries prefer and stuff like that um yeah. i i feel like i feel like a lot of uh foreign movies uh kind of get to my soul a little bit but um the subtitled it has to be done well for me to lose um do like oh the original um the original grudge yeah. or the u.s version um i don't know if i put his name but it's like juana yeah yeah i think so um and that one's actually really good yeah, that one's actually. Is it my? Is one of my weaknesses and horrors. Yeah, which uh, actually next episode next week we're gonna talk about we're gonna go into our, our weaknesses and fears and all that shit like uh, what makes us keeps us up at night and makes us little tinkle in our pants a little bit. So what should we talk about now? We. Uh, well, you wanna go down the werewolf avenue? Um, yeah, I, I was just, I'm just going to bring up a, a couple, just quick little things. Like, I don't even know where this is going, but, um, West Craven, this is just very recent, uh, West Craven's estate, um, uh, retained the U S rights to a nightmare on Elm street just recently. So like all the, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but the studio, you know, holds on to the rights. I guess it's like, um, for a certain amount of time or something like that, um, and it's now been all given back to the the West Craven's estate. So, what will happen? I don't know. But that's like an interesting thing in the in the universe. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street rights are now back in to West Craven, so they have control of what happens with that the franchise now. Why do you mention this? Because who would they portray as Freddy Krueger again? Because I thought <gasps> uh, Jackie Haley did a, a, an alright job. He's I like him as an actor. Those are tough shoes to fill, though, right? Like Robert England. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Jackie Haley. You know, if you ever watched Watchmen, you know he's you know, other things. He's a he's a decent, quite good actor. He fits that horror type of voice, that menacing you know, voice he's got. It's, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I actually think he did a good job. It's just tough shoes to fill when you Robert England is like a master. Um, Didn't he recently say that he's got one more in him too? Oh man, I hope so. I just got a little excited right now. I'm I might be too excited right now if he does have one more in him. <laughs> we'll see on that one, but um 
Yeah, so on the uh, movie web, uh, Robert England says he could do one more Freddy Krueger movie. Fuck yeah. I, I mean, if he does one more, just one more, and now that Wes Craven has the um, estate, has the rights back, that's like perfect timing. I mean, give us one more, one more Nightmare on Elm Street, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, this is a quote from him during an interview. He says, I think they want to reboot the franchise, but they're going to need a new actor. They're going to need a new actor to play Freddy because they're going to have to do eight of them. I might have one left in me, but yeah. That was a quote from him. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, let's not go down that road right now because I'm getting too excited. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess one more thing before we get started with the movies because we're like, we're deep in like what's new and news and all that stuff. But, um, oh, this just happened uh, uh, yesterday. I believe I just found out yesterday morning uh, Captain Spaulding, um, Sid passed away at the age of 80. Oh, um, I did not know he was in more than 70 movies, but, um, yeah, it's so the thing with this is I grew up, of course, probably just like yourself. I grew up with horrors and, you know, house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects. You know, that's some of my most memorable movies as a kid. Mm hmm. And I only found out uh, I was working. I, I popped on Instagram. And I follow a lot of horror things, and it, it was it was Rob Zombie who posted it himself. And I follow him, and I was like, "What?" Oh. Of I straight away messaged you, sending that, sending you this, and you know, it's sad times, really. Yeah, and I I just found out um, maybe like an hour or two before you sent me that that message, and uh, I was like, "Oh man!" I mean. <laughs> I heard through the grapevine a little bit that he wasn't doing too well, but I didn't know like how bad it was. Um, Apparently he was barely on the set for uh, uh, three from hell. That was just recently released. He was 80 years old. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, rest in peace, but I guess if you're going to go 80 plus is the way to go probably. Right. And it's, he's gone down a legend, you know, he's, he's, one of the OG horror clowns, in my opinion. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, definitely. Like, there's another... Like, Art the Clown has another way. He has ways to go to be a legend, but he's like... Yes. Between that, yeah. You've got Captain Spaulding as the, the OG, like he said. And then you've got a few new ones, which I don't even put... Um, not to take away from uh, Captain Spaulding's Thunder, I don't even put Pennywise, like, in that that same level yeah Captain Spaulding I was one of my favorite scenes from uh, I think it's House of the House of Cops is when the stars getting robbed as I put the money in the bag it's like my mom and it's like my fuck your sister <laughs> so so good yeah that's actually really good. oh man but well, alright let's get more let's get into the werewolves this is the Howl at the Moon where have all the werewolves gone episode i don't even know what i'm going to title this this episode yet it's like one of those things i don't even haven't decided yet but we watched um two werewolf movies um that were uh man good ones um i so we're going to talk about um let's get in dog soldiers 2002 One of the most explosive, brutal, and purely enjoyable horror debuts since The Evil Dead. Genuinely frightening. 
Jaws, Aliens, and Predator with a werewolf twist. Come on! Absolutely brilliant. Thrilling. Mind your touch! Exciting. Scary. I don't scare that easy. And funny. I'm sold. A horror film with bite. You are. of a werewolf movie. Wait, Dad! Dog Soldiers. It'll blow your house down. Let's get into that one, which is, uh, it's sitting at a uh, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and then uh, Google users, 93% like this movie. Well... It is a fan favorite as much as even critics might say it's not good. You know, it hasn't got the greatest cast, as a lot, you'll read a lot about it, but for me personally, it is probably my my best werewolf movie with American Werewolf as a close second. Oh, okay, so this is your favorite. That's kind of interesting because uh, I might put Dog Soldiers... Uh Mm, I'm not sure. I'll I'll, uh, I'll reveal what I think at the very end. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually looking at the. I've got the collector's edition dog soldiers. It says uh, six men, full moon, no chance. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it says the, uh, the early 2000s, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's it was kind of an interesting time. Um, the uh, if this movie was. Uh, See, then again, if it was made in the 80s, um, it might not have has been as good, but they would have had more free reign on, on what they did. Kind of like the 80s were just like, you can do whatever you want. Oh, you want to make a werewolf movie in outer space? And he has like babies with like some, <laughs> some alien race or whatever. Okay, let's do it. Just going down killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, right. So yeah, in the 80s, free reign. And then they found out, then they cut, they reined it in in the 90s. And then it started to resurface again in the 2000s. So, uh, so actually a good time to make this movie. I feel like because uh, if they would have done it in the 90s, they might not even got the funding that they did. Um, who knows? Yeah. I, there's one thing this movie missed out for me, and it's always an important thing in, in Wells movies, I think, and it's the transformation. And it has to be good for me, like... Like American Werewolf in London does it superbly because when he's transforming it, it's a slow process, it's a slow burn, but you get to watch him in agonizing pain and yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, really, that's one of the best parts of the movie is seeing him, you know, screaming and his, you know, his nails popping out and oh man, you know, it's, of course it doesn't need that because it is soldiers just fighting off, you know, some werewolves, but it's one of the one of the like the key elements for me in a werewolf movie because of course you. It's not so much the horror is not always just the werewolves going around on the rampage. It is the soul person turning into said werewolf and then going through that, that pain and horror. Yeah, it makes it more personal. Um, I think that that was the only thing that was missing in this film. Um, it's definitely a monster in the house film, which I, I love monster in the house films. It's done perfectly to, um, so for it to be a monster in the house, they can't easily escape. Um, yeah. It doesn't even have to be in a house, um, which 
we'll talk about it later, but dog soldiers ends up in like a, like a, a cabin, um, type little cottage or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's done. The opening scene is in Scotland, which is interesting. So the opening scene in Scotland is with a couple and then they're like talking and stuff like that. And, um, and, um, I believe it's, I, I think they're married already, but she gives, um, him a gift it's like a silver bladed weapon as a gift that that's kind of interesting little <laughs> little start to the movie like oh here's this this bladed weapon that's made of silver <laughs> um as a quick one for you do you know of course it's uh, set in scotland it wasn't actually filmed in scotland it was mostly filmed in luxembourg oh okay so they say it's in scotland but they threw you for a loop a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I uh. Of course, there's that whole scene too. You're missing out the um, the scene where every person who loves dogs, it's like you know, shoot the dog. Oh man. It's like no. Yeah, that takes place after the the couple scene and then the tent kill the, the uh, just oh. to backtrack a little bit the tent kill i have to mention that because that's like oh man that's good i i love that she it drags the the wife out kind of out of the tent and pulls her up as she's like halfway outside i think <laughs> kind of rises from the ground doesn't she she's quite you know off the ground a bit yeah the blood splats and she falls back to the ground oh man yeah i have to mention that scene before we talk about the dog scene because uh i uh that sets the pace. That sets the tone. I love when a movie is like, "Here you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something creepy and scary." It was actually creepy the way, because then it didn't show the werewolf. And if it would have showed the werewolf right away, it would have been less effective later on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna crack another one real quick. Yeah. <laughs> We're just on the first movie, and I've already cracked. These are not. Um, these are not uh, piss weak beers either. These are like you know like the 6.9 plus percentage so i have to be you here you a beer drinker yeah uh craft beer hell yeah um i gotta drink i, I enjoy drinking my beer not just drinking to drink oh, yeah <laughs> i'm a whiskey lover myself oh yeah i and the older i've gotten um i shy away more from hard alcohol I just like yeah. drinking my beer, my my craft IPA beer and all that stuff. Sounds like a a hipster thing, but it's obliged to uh, drink beer now. I have a, a whiskey now. I have a mustache. Otherwise, I just end up getting that sailor stain where you know beer man mustache stuck there. Oh yeah, yeah, right. It's uh, you're kind of obliged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you guys, uh, you need to check out his mustache. It's, it's freaking mean. It's a mean mustache. I can't grow a mustache like that. I can grow like a full beard. Like, so if you look at my beard, it's not like, um, it's not like one of those beards that you're like, oh, you shouldn't grow a beard, but I, I don't have a mean mustache. You've got the mean mustache. <laughs> The, the thing is, on about werewolves, unfortunately, I'm down the path of those men that are too hairy and, like, we can't control it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's actually been a couple of days I was, uh, I've been complaining, like, I need some hair removal cream because my legs, my arms, <laughs> everything's just, like, you know, crazy. You're, like, one full moon away from fucking turning. Yeah, and I have. Then it's a bad moon rising, let me tell you. Right. <laughs> if you ever turn, would you let me, like, comb your, your body hair? I think so. I'd need to, definitely. I can't even let alone look after my own mustache. <laughs> I need someone to 
constantly, and it would have to like use very specific conditioner. Okay. I'll you want to look fabulous. I'll use whatever you want. I'll condition the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you've actually owned a dog and a big dog, you have to put them in a bathtub and it's just a disaster. That's like one of those type of werewolves where it's splashing everywhere and your towel's wet on the floor. And, <laughs> and then your drain's fucked for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're, you're showering in dirt and freaking uh, up to the, past the ankles water after that for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into that, the dog shooting scene. You talk about it. I, this is a lot of movies avoid it because um did you know there's a thing where i don't know which website it is but you can look up to see if the dog dies or not right because it doesn't actually show you does it because of course it kind of like if i remember correctly it fades to black and then it, so it goes to the next scene you the gunshot? i can't remember yeah you can hear the gunshot i'm you may even be able to freaking hear a whimper it's it's is it the sergeant that does it because he refuses so the sergeant just does it himself yeah so yeah the um um he does it because he's trying to get the guy to shoot the dog which i thought it's been so long since i've seen this movie i thought he was fucking around i thought he was like maybe had like empty you know like a lot of movies will have like nothing in the chamber nothing in the chamber and then just to see if he'll do it yeah 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 so who is it again is it is it Sean Pertry or Liam Cunningham? Um, let's see. The guy. So Sarge. So Cooper. Uh, Cooper's the guy that's running and training. Um, yeah. So, so Cooper's the guy that we see in the very beginning. Well, not in the very beginning because the opening scene's a couple. Then it goes to the dog. Well, it goes him running through the woods, and then this the the guy the um. Not the Sarge. What is he, Captain? He's the captain? Yeah. Yeah, that's Captain Ryan's Liam Cunningham. Yes, so the captain is, like, telling him to shoot the dog um, based off his training because the dog's barking. I, 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 can, I don't know what his reasoning is behind that, but that's fucked up. Like, I mean, I don't know about your viewers over there, but American viewers will avoid a movie if a dog dies. <laughs> um, yes. Uh... I mean, I, I tend to, I mean, uh, anything where the dog gets killed, for example, like, um, what's you call it? I Am Legend. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Skip that scene. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's a touchy, uh, it's a touchy area. It's not to say that you can't do it, but you got to be careful. But I'm glad they didn't show it, so... I mean, that's forgivable. It sets up, like, the, the captain's a fucking... He's a son of a bitch. Like, right away, it tells you what type of person he is. So, what's, what better way to show it than shooting a dog? And then showing Cooper is the guy who d- who can't cross that line. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of jumping around in the timeline in the beginning. Did you notice that? I, I kind of, like... I didn't hate it, but um, there's, there's a decent amount of jumping around. Um, yeah. It's... It moves... Very quickly at the beginning. Yeah, and because I guess it, I mean, you don't want a long run time. Um, that's probably why they did it. Um, Which, to be fair, it is fairly, you know, it, you don't want a long burn. And it's not like they need to explain anything. It is just, here's a group of soldiers, and this is what they're doing. It is, you know, and. You know, because of course after that scene, then the, the, the dropped into the forest, and he's like, you know, you he, don't need to say something along the lines like, you know, even though these are blanks, you still need to fucking act like, you know, these are real men. You could be, you know, mean like, don't hold back and shit. 
Yeah, that's another thing I was going to mention too. Like the teams using um, there's an exercise. It's a team uh, during an exercise, and they're using the the BFAs, the the blank firing adapters during the training exercise. So that's kind of interesting how uh, how they're doing that. Um, which I was I was interested. I was intrigued to see where they were going to go with this. I'm like, okay, they're using the blank fire adapters. Are they gonna? What are they gonna do? And uh, I actually like that. Um, and then they're sitting around. So they're sitting around the campfire and oh man this scene is actually really good they're, they're talking about what scares them the most which we're going to talk about next episode so this I, I found this intriguing because we were talking about what we're going to do for next episode and then these guys are sitting around the campfire talking about that shit and one guy's like um, I'm afraid of women and spiders <laughs> spider women <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you uh, that's when you see um, you kind of get an idea of the um, Sergeant Harry G. Wells, you know, uh, Sean's character and like how he's a, he's a rough, you know, a rough lad. He's quite grounded, you know, very stern. Yeah. He's like, uh, they talk about that and he, what does he go off about? He starts talking about someone and he's just like, you know, and then the lads, of course, after when he said that, are kind of like silent after when he's just had that big you know, it turns everything serious. The story, uh, it's the devil tattoo on the, on the ass story where his friend, um, and his uh, fellow soldier gets freaking blown to pieces. And he just got recently got a devil tattoo on his ass. And, uh, then they find the, the, the tattoo on the flesh. That's like, it's unharmed or whatever. That story is kind of fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's a really good scene. I like that. Cause that also kind of, gets you feeling it makes makes each character a bit more personal because of course you get to learn a bit more about them and what type of personalities they all have yeah in a short amount of time yeah i, yeah. like, I kind of like that it was a uh, well done that yeah I, I that scene gets a that that's a solid a solid scene that's a 10 out of 10 scene probably and then and then the freaking cow body splatters from above oh my god <laughs> that scene actually make you jump the first time you saw that oh yeah yeah the first time i saw it um and i don't i'd been so long since i've rewatched it probably oh man has it been 10 years probably at least 10 years and so it still surprised me a little bit but not as bad but um yeah when it oh when it drops from above it just sets the tone like what the fuck and it's got like teeth marks in it and stuff like that so they're like what the hell i would have been um see at that point i would have been out um gone (laughs) because it's not like it's died from like old age or decay and you can clearly see see the 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 wounds and like it's clearly being savaged by something yeah recently um and it's just the question like was it a werewolf just standing above him like hey check this out and then chucks the cow over you know it's the other wolf they're like laughing at these soldiers that just play the prank on (laughs) exactly are they just like fucking with the soldiers down there and they just throw it down because i was actually that's an i was actually thinking about the same thing like okay are you just trying to scare them or uh i i don't know that's like perfect timing and to throw from above that's like a messed up yeah. thing yeah <laughs> nonetheless a very very great scene and t- kind of get the get the flow going because after that of course that's when things start picking up things that you know yeah so this is when they start um 
out of curiosity, they start hunting down what killed the cow, but they still have the BFAs on. I kind of, uh, so I, this part is a little, uh, iffy for me. Um, like your curiosity is like what the, just threw a fucking dead cow into your campfire and your curiosity when you have BFAs, if you have real firearms, then, then yeah. But so this, I mean, this part's not, it's not unbelievable, but it's, it's slightly for me where I go, I stray to the side where I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, because you're, you're, um, your commanding officer is in charge and he's the one who wants to, to check it out. But I, again, I'd be gone. It is the whole, you know, cliche, you know, there's blood leading somewhere and any other person's like, nope, but let's go investigate. But as soldiers, I guess they have a much more reasonable kind of excuse, I guess. Yeah, and an obligation, because if your commanding officer says you do something, then you do it. Yeah. Most definitely, yeah. Because that's the because of course, that's when things start leading into the, the best part of the movie. My opinion, that's when it starts getting really good. Yeah, when so when they come across the camp with the blood and gore, and they switch their weapons for the the non BFA, um, uh, so that setup's pretty nice when they come across that. Yes, um, and that's close to a part. So they go and of course they swap out the weapons. That's when you know things are going. You know, shit's going to start getting re- uh, real. Um, and then don't we move on to the attack where oh so paled? Oh, okay, so uh, yeah, so right right when they come across the camp, they find the special ops captain alive, and he's got wounds on him. So that, that's an important thing to note because he's he's wounded, and uh, that's the the asshole captain that shot the dog. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you see. Uh, one of the characters, Bruce, who's impaled on the branch. Oh man, which is a freak because that kind of like gives you an idea how strong these these beasts are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you like that scene? I love this scene. Yes, that's because it. So going kind of going off, it, the movie does a really, really good thing at the beginning, and that is that build up. Usually, when there is a build up, it's it's straight away or it takes its goddamn time. And by the time you get to it, you kind of suss out what's going to happen next. But because it starts off as uh, campers and then initiation to then training to then that initial camp attack, you, you're already, you know, my, my face is already glued to the screen at that point because I'm like, whoa, even though you know it's about worlds and you know all that stuff because it's, it's quite, it kind of gives you the idea straight away and it's in the freaking name, um, that's at a point where I realize on oh, this movie, everything's done really well and it kind of goes to Neil Marshall's um, directing how good he is of course he is a very well known director and how well he directs movies of course and how it all fits together because that's my problem with horrors and I don't know if you're saying by the time uh, what was it we were watching the other day watching a horror and they have this thing like Paranormal Activity did it uh, something else did it while watching the other day where at the very beginning it kind of already tells you the ending if you get what I mean oh I hate that yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when you watch Dog Soldiers, it is just a constant climb. You are getting somewhere and you are glued to find out what's happening next. And it's a very, very, very few movies do that anymore with horrors. It is always this, as this horror, this what happens. That knife you see in the background, they reference that knife because that knife is important because that's what's going to be the murder weapon. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah, and the pay. Yeah, I agree. Pacing, ten out of ten on this movie. Um, there's no wasted time, really. Yeah, and yeah, like we were saying earlier, there's no slow burn. There's no okay. Let's get to the point now. Let's see what happens. It is a constant flow of what it, what it gets to the main part of course, which is the cabin, but we will we'll come to later. Yeah, which I, I and. I, I love a slow burn, but this movie does not need a slow burn. It, it, yeah, when you're we're talking monster in the house, you don't want a slow burn. Yeah, most definitely. Um, that part alone, for me, after I watched that, that's when I get. So I don't know if you're like me. I'm a very enthusiastic movie watcher. So when something cool happens in this movie or something great, I'm one of those type of people who's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, that was awesome, you know what I mean? Like, I'll, if I'm surrounded by 50 people in a cinema, you know, I'll let a little bit, if I get excited, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that. I guess that bit, I'm like, shit's getting real. You know what I mean? I'm straight up the bat, like, I can't wait. Yeah, I I love I love that shit. Um, people will look at me. I've had people look at me in the theater and be like, "Are you enjoying this?" And my face like lights up during like a scene or something. Puppy <laughs> <laughs> excitement sounds. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not vocal, but I you can see the expression on my face. Like I'm glued. I'm I light up and the it energizes me. It like fuels my life, but. <laughs> So after that scene, that's when they they get carried to that roadside and meet that zoologist, isn't it? What's his name? So yeah, so um, the branch scene is freaking awesome. Then he get he gets slashed by a werewolf, which is important because yeah, uh, right, so, like the gut area, isn't it? Yeah, and we get to see. Okay, I have to say this: we we see the reflection shadow of the werewolf's claw in Bruce's eye before he gets before he gets it before he gets free just ripped or whatever it doesn't show it what he what happens to him but um oh man that scene and I, I appreciate we still haven't seen a werewolf other than the reflection in the eye I oh not getting too far ahead but the movie does a really good job of that you know the the, the silhouettes of the night is you know before you even see the world you, you mainly see silhouettes don't get the shadows and stuff Oh yeah, oh, I love it. Like this movie, uh, I hate. If it showed the werewolf in the beginning, I would have been a little bit less interested. Not, I mean, the movie still would have been, still would have been, still been good, but wouldn't have worked the way it, way it did. Um, and it's funny because, of course, with it being a werewolf, and you know it is just because it's dog soldiers, and even when the movie freshly came out, you get an idea. If you, you know, it's not hard to figure it out, of course. And then you have an idea what a werewolf looks like, but the movie still keeps that magic of, can you guess what it looks like? You know, the silhouettes and the, you know what I mean? And it does that really well. And like most movies, about try and hide the monster. You don't know what the monster looks like, and that's the magic of it. We know what werewolves look like. It's, that's, it's been around for a long time, but even so, not knowing, not seeing them still brings that tension, that, that magic to it. I'm like, what do they look like? Are they long and lanky? Are they on paws? <laughs> right? Are they... Um... I think it's called the was it a quadruped or whatever if they're on all fours or if they're standing um lichen lycanthrope or something like that yeah lycanthrope um wait I love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh and uh the sarge um the sarge gets uh um oh man okay so we get the the tree branch scene and the sarge gets freaking gutted 
Do you remember that part? <laughs> yeah, is that when they're running through the, the grass and stuff and that's where they're running from something and you're not seeing it? Yeah, the the team, like, um, the Sarge gets gutted. It's in the chaos and the Sarge gets gutted and then the team flees and uh, they get chased. Um, so during that, yeah, during that part when they get chased... Um, is it leads up to a scene where I love it, and it's the uh, the black uh, the black and white werewolf POV where we get to see the the point of view from the werewolf, but it's in black and white. I put a heart symbol next to that in my notes because I freaking love that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. So. Of course, you've got to watch this a lot. Uh, you've got more fresher idea than me, and I, I haven't. I only tried watched it. Oh god, how long ago when I watched it? Because I messaged you uh, quite a bit ago before I even moved out. Oh, well, I'm gonna try and watch this, and we should talk about it. I'm still, I'm still struggling to remember some parts, but of course, it is still, and if not, one of the best werewolf movies in my opinion. So it's not really, but I can still remember most of it. Yeah, we um we kind of had a delay on recording, but um so this movie is not as fresh as American Werewolf in London to me, which is going to be the next movie we talk about. But Dog Soldiers, I noted a lot of stuff, and for me, when I watch, actually, thankfully, I'm I'm gonna say thankfully, I don't remember everything about a movie after I'd say like after a couple of weeks of watching it, because then I can rewatch it again and be like, oh fuck, yeah, yeah, it, but. Yeah. That's the part. So when you gets caught, that's when they find the zoologist, isn't it? Oh, she packs up Megan. Yes. After the black and white POV scene and uh, Sarge gets gutted, they run into the vehicle where there's Megan. Um, she says she's heard gunfire, and she's like, uh, "You guys are lucky. I found you. I heard gunfire." Um, the that's that's kind of interesting scene. Um, and when and the werewolf actually, I think, jumps on top of the vehicle and we get a, a werewolf arm. <laughs> yeah, they get the knife straight through it and, like, stab in the arm. Oh, man, yeah. So that's another good one, too. So the werewolf arm comes through the top of the vehicle and then we get, uh, they, they just slice at it and cut at it. <laughs> yeah, and you can see it breathing on the glass. I always remember that distinct scene because that's also, there's a part where you see the jaw, but it's only for a brief second. Oh yeah, I actually forgot about that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Second, was it was the arms in the sea in the roof. You see the jaw, like like a breath on the window, the windows. That's right. I forgot about that. And then they drive off, they escape, and then they come across the, a cottage with hot food and a table set, and there's a dog. Quite convenient too, because doesn't she tell him like, oh, the next town's like four hours away or something like that? Yeah. So it's very convenient. And then after knowing what's going on, you're you know that. I guess the first time. The first time, if somebody was watching this for the first time, they'd be like, um, just going along with the flow, but it's so convenient. Megan's clearly like knows a little bit more than what she's saying. Does she stay anything again? Or that is her house or is this just a random house? Because if you go, does you go through the house, there's the picture that they look at. And then of course the checking all the rooms and everything's all neat. 
So in the beginning, she doesn't even tell them. She just says like, you know, like, don't they start going. I think they start going at the food and she's she mentions how this isn't their house or whatever. So um, if you pay close attention, she has hints to like what's going on. But like you don't you don't know right away if you're watching it for the first time or like me rewatching it for after over 10 years. I didn't clearly know what Megan's um uh motive was in this movie but um she i mean there's a border collie dog there there's a hot food in the table set i i kind of got the vibes of like um you know like um what would you say almost like um a little bit of uh goldilocks and little red riding hood mixed together yeah yeah no yeah that's that's well well i'll said that yeah i get that yeah, I got a little bit of vibes watching this for the second time, um, which shame. The movie does here too is when they start eating. Have you noticed how they they just been attacked and the, the Sarge has been gutted pretty much, and um, but then they just go back to chatting like normal like soldier lads like the fuck was that out there and then one of them just eating a meal like it's nothing and I reckon that's like because they're soldiers and they're quite hardened as it is. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's more excusable, right? Like um, in a normal situation, if if a normal group of people or whatever, like in another movie, it probably been a group of teenagers out in the woods. They would have, uh, yeah. if they would have done the same thing that the soldiers were doing, I would have kind of checked out a little bit because it's not believable. But but because they are soldiers, I, I, I fall into it and I, I, I agree with it. Um, yeah, because I, I, it's all coming back to me now with them all while we talk about it that's and they go where did they go after that is this where they so this is um i kind of skipped the first time you see a werewolf kind of isn't it because they go outside of the flare yeah so this is the first time we do see it um yeah and in my notes i have like um so there's the flare and the shooting up the vehicle or whatever so I said I noted I put it in my notes like fuckery, fuckery outside the cottage, because the scene. <laughs> there's so much fuckery in this scene, with the flare and the shooting of the vehicle and it explodes, and then the werewolf comes after. So we, that's the first time we actually see a look of the. You don't see it properly. You just kind of see a silhouette, but you kind of see a much more larger scale of what we we've been seeing. So it's not just an arm or just some shadows. We see it kind of stood up right. You see kind of the top half of it. Yeah. Gives you an idea how big they actually are. Yeah. So we get an idea, and I don't know what what was their what was the idea behind the the fuckery with the shooting. Like, um, so I noted that I don't. Maybe I missed something, but I just don't get why they were freaking just blowing shit up, like exploding the vehicle, shooting up the vehicle. Testing if the guns were were at ammo in them, or were they just you know what I don't know I just noted fuckery which anytime I note fuckery in my notes it's like a unbelievable scene it's a scene that I don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> so real quick when it comes to werewolves what in a scenario like this so I've always I've always said this when I talk about zombies I'm like would you rather try and survive fast zombies uh, or easy to kill or slow zombies but harder to kill in a scenario like this would you rather have werewolves that stand up straight and can do what they do, but of course, I'd imagine not as fast, and of course not as agile as, let's say, 
a dog, you know, a soul, a, a level from fours. Which one would you rather go against, you know, being chased by a werewolf that's on fours? Kind of like American werewolf style. Oh, yeah, I would rather be chased by the, um, the lycanthrope standing two feet, for sure. For sure. They seem to, have, they seem to fight him off quite well in this. Uh, when we get to it, of course, explain why. But when you watch this, it's not like... Without spoiling the movie, they do quite all right, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel like I have a better chance, a fighting chance with something on two legs than four legs. Like, fuck that. Two, four legs coming at me? Mm, no. And <laughs> <laughs> the speed. Yeah. I... So... Yeah, the, okay, so the fuckery scene... It goes straight to the dog, the border collie. He starts tugging, tugging on Sarge's. Oh my god, he starts tugging on Sarge's intestines. And like, the side is like trying to yank it back like a tug of wall. Oh fuck. That scene is brilliant. Um, which I'll bring up more later, like how much I love the practical effects in this movie. Actually, no, I'll just say it right now. I just love this movie gets an extra bonus for me just for the practical effects. I love it. I think anything um, when it comes to movies practical effects I'm all the way CGI is great but CGI can only last so long even in a modern time like now you know you can make, you can make a, a well movie you CGI but 10 years from now that will play shit exactly exactly like even how great and modern CGI how far along it's it's um, it's come it is not. It cannot compare to practical effects. A quick shout out to the Wolfman movie. What was that? Twenty twenty something. It was the, the most recent one when they remade it. Um, of course, they use CGI for the transformation city, uh, where he's strapped down and the. Uh, oh. Like the, the, the scientists like, oh, he's just a. He, this is a, an, an example of someone who's clearly lost their mind. But then he starts changing. For its time, it looked awesome because you see his fingers bend backwards and then his teeth start popping out when, of course, the canines come through. If you watch it now, it looks like shit. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up, right? So I have a theory on that, too, because it was brand new. The CGI was probably top of the line at that time, and now it does not hold up because uh, our brain knows it's fake as hell. But the only reason why it got by was because it was brand new and probably state-of-the-art at the time. 2010, that one. Yeah, and uh, that's the one with um, Benicio del Toro, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, um, man. Yeah, I'm just gonna say fuck CGI. I don't. <laughs> there are movies that can do it, but right, how much does it cost? Um, and then your brain. There's even studies done. Your brain knows it's CGI. Like, even if it's the best of the best, it is. Yeah, it's, I've, I've heard about this because Star Wars was one of them that they talked about how they, you know, redid Princess uh, Leia's face and uh, the the old man, whatever he's called again. Oh! But he was fully CGI. Yeah, Grand Moff. One. Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, like, even though that was really good, your brain's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen King's It Chapter Two did it with the kids because it aged so much they had to CGI their face younger. Yeah, I knew I saw it right away, and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> get rid of that little kid mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh man, he took a while. The dog. That's oh, we start seeing the attacks, isn't it? 
yeah, so the captain, the the a-hole, the asshole captain, um, is about ready to shoot, actually, the dog um, because it's barking. So the, the werewolves are attacking the cottage, and the captain's about ready to shoot the dog, shoot another dog. He's on his fucking, he's about ready to shoot his second dog in the movie. And you... That's a bad child of dogs. Yeah, you can't come back from that. Like, I don't care if you're even an actor, if that's a character, you can never come back from shooting two dogs. Yeah, no. Yeah. Just, I, I think that's it. You don't retire now. You are known as a dog killer. People aren't going to like you. Yeah, he would not be in Game of Thrones today if he would have shot that second dog. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so he's about ready to, and then he gets puked on from above. Somebody pukes on him from above, which prevents him oh, yeah. from ruining his career. Also, that's a, we also get to a, get a glimpse of what the, the werewolves see in Nacy in black and white. Uh, yeah that's another part too i anytime it goes black and white i i love that it's like oh we get to see okay they're seeing we get to see how they're in their point of view i love it yeah so that's when the of course it starts attacking um we see the werewolves going through the windows and yeah, we start. Yeah, we get an attack scene, and then Megan. It, it's revealed that Megan's been tracking these things, and she says that they're werewolves. So she's the one who who mentions before anyone. She's the first one. Do a quick shout out. There's that whole scene where there's the werewolf at the door, or like the window of the door, and they freaking get a boiling hot pan of water and chuck in its face and start smacking the werewolf with the fucking pan. <laughs> Oh shit! I love that. I love that scene. That's later on. That's the second attack, I think. Is that the second one? That's the second attack. The second wave, I think. I have to check my notes, but I th- I remember that scene, and I think it comes later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's also the shotgun scene, isn't it? Where. Yeah. Window. That comes later on. Yeah. I yeah. Um. And, and then we get, like, they get suspicious of the captain, the asshole dog-killing captain. He's doing, because he's doing so well. Um, and then guns are drawn, and they check his wound, and it's already healed. So they tie him up. So there's, like, the, the altercation there. Um, and they make a torture comment, and it cuts to the dog. I, I noted that because the dog, like, looks like they threaten to torture the captain, and the dog looks like, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, this is this is actually a head. You're, you're just, you're, this is just after the scene where the window has been smashed in, and the, one of the uh, soldiers has the shotgun, they're shooting the, uh, the werewolf through the window, and then the werewolf grabs the shotgun and shoots back. Oh, no, that's after... Um, so it goes, uh, yeah, so the first attack and then the werewolf, the werewolves attack the cottage a second time. And that's where we get the boiling water in the werewolf's face and the werewolf snatches the shotgun and fires back. Well, I noted in, in, in chronological order. So I th- think that's the yeah, scene. Yeah, probably all right to me. I watched a few, my good over a month ago, just by, I moved out to my new attachment. Yeah, I... I just noted it um, in order, which I saw it. So then the second attack is when we get that. And then the werewolf. Do you remember the when the werewolf punches someone? No. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember this one. What? What? Punches someone? He just freaking like straight up punches some, some one of the soldiers. And I was I died a little bit when he just like smacks him. <laughs> so 
If you were, if you turn into a werewolf, if you got the the disease, do you think? So the the one of the traits is that you get you get quite strong, become a werewolf. But do you think that is close to what a werewolf would give you? Are werewolves known to be strong? Of course, the stronger the jaw. You know, you always read nature documentaries that a wolf can bite through a human skull with ease. But where does the strength aspect come from when you become a werewolf? Of course, usually movies like this, you, you gain the DNA of this said monster and it's its traits. So, what do you reckon enhances the werewolf strength when you become one? Is it human genes mixed with dog genes? That, but you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, you know, yeah. Dogs aren't going to be very strong creatures unless it's in the jaws. Yeah. Right? right? It's That's interesting because... Um, so if you take it like a really strong freaking dog, um, like even a strong buff pit bulls, like right around 150 pounds or whatever. And then I guess like humans are typically more, more weight. Um, and then when you combine the werewolf and the human, I guess DNA, they're going to transform larger and be stronger. I, that's just a guess on mine, but hmm. I, so if, as, as one, I go off real quick topic actually, and it's the, the argument to, that a lot of people ask, and we'll, we'll dig more down towards the end. If you could choose to be a werewolf or a vampire, what would you be? Because of course I brought up this age ago, like I was saying, like where's all the werewolves gone? Because of course we get zombies still to this day, vampires are just a thing, and it's now a sexy trend all of a sudden. Yeah. So God. So is that because popular werewolves are less popular? People just don't see them as viable monsters to be, or I think because I'd, I'd happily be a freaking werewolf. Me, screw vampires. Vampires are cool and all, but you know, werewolves, man. Yeah, um, I kind of want. Um, man, that one's tough. So. I want the immortality of a vampire and then the, the be able to control as a vampire. I think where it comes down to is like as a werewolf, uh, like typically said, you're not able to control when you turn. Um, so I think that's where maybe the, the unpopularity comes from is the ability to like not be able to control, um, that aspect. What you got to wait till the full moon. Like now, if you're able to control when you turn into a werewolf, Oh, fuck. Werewolf would be pretty badass, but they're also, um, they're not immortal like vampires. Um, they just are resilient to normal day, like lead bullets and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So vampires can still, I mean, they're mortal in terms of aging, but they can still be killed. Yeah, they can. I don't know. It's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting discussion. We should do like an episode on like werewolves versus vampires. <laughs> werewolves, vampires, and zombies. <laughs> yeah, even that aspect. Like, but nobody was going to want to be a zombie. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But still. So we're at the part now where, of course, he's healing up and they're strapping him down, and there's suspect about his wounds healing and. Yeah, um, let's see, so we've gotten to the second, the attack on the cottage, um. They do say quite, actually, at the beginning, they know what werewolves are, because they do say, like, when she's 
the girl what is it Megan she's like oh the werewolves and she's like what the ones that are fucking don't like silver bullets and shit like that and you turn into one so they, they know yeah what can do. so when they see that wounds healing and like him acting all weird you know suspicion is so Megan, yeah, because Megan brings it up before anyone else. So then they get the idea in their head, and then there's like the 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 big time attacks. There's like a a sword. Somebody uses a sword to cut off the werewolf's hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we get like the creepy werewolf that crawls to the window and it rises up, and that's where we get what you were talking about the the stilts. Oh man, the genius, uh, genius to use the uh, the stilts because it looks creepy as fuck. Um, and then we get um, the camera flash to temporary blind a werewolf. We get that. They throw that in there. They're like, hey, we can use somebody. I don't know who picks up the camera, but somebody picks up a camera. Um, and then one of the soldiers, Terry, gets snatched through the window um, right at the end of that, that second attack. So that's like complete chaos through all that shit. And then we find out Megan was brought in as an expert with the captain and it wasn't her first time here this is a they dropped a fucking bomb straight on us yeah exactly she was brought in as a specialist zoologist and this isn't her first rodeo um which is very interesting because then it makes you kind of think like um and to me it throws a little loop because um if you did have doubts in her motives then you're like oh she's been here before that's why so it does kind of throw you around a little bit um isn't that this isn't this towards another scene too where we have that nice little um Oh man, yeah, that's a little bit later. That's I love I like that scene too. But before that, we get the bait scene, and they say uh, we need something fast and loud. So they point at the guy, the soldier that's like loud as fuck, and I guess he can run fast. But it's never been shown in the movie, so um, that's not lazy. But to introduce like what is it, the third act, maybe the second act of the movie? Um, this guy's fast and loud. I, I wish they would have had something where he was he football fan isn't he because he's the one at the beginning that complains that he's in Scotland when he can be back in Britain watching the game and yeah yeah he is football chat like where are you cool man stuff like that yeah yeah and um we get the distraction um because they need to hotwire a vehicle that's in a shed or a barn of some sort. And so he takes off running fast and loud, screaming all sorts of shit or whatever. And uh, he gets the werewolves to chase him. Um, so, yeah, we get the distraction. They try to, like, hotwire the vehicle. And then we get this, the the scene where the werewolf is munching on someone as i think it's terry yeah i think terry's the one that's hot wiring the vehicle and this headlights turn on and the werewolf like bites the head off and throws it at the windshield yeah and of course they, they attack the car while he's in it yeah kind of on the side yeah he escapes the shed though um and he backs it up and he pulls it up to the the cottage and then so then there's breathing in the back of the vehicle. Yeah. And so, to me, that is executed so fucking well because, of course, you just see the, the, the hot air, you know what I mean? The breath of the werewolf come between him, you know what I mean? From, from the inside of him. And I love that scene. And it's, it's cliche, like, oh, you didn't check the back seat. But the fact is, it's not like he didn't look through the wind mirror and he, you, know, he, you saw it. It was just the breath and the noise of the. Oh, it, so good. 
It is. It's so good. And it, it, I don't, uh, it, it, it's awesome because he's in a hurry too. And he just saw some werewolf, uh, munching on somebody. So of course he's not going to like fully check the entire vehicle before he drives off. But, um, the question is like, of course, during that scene too, it just, it just says, come on then you fucker. And he just goes and tries to drain it, doesn't it? I called that, I wrote it fuckery. This is the second and last time in my notes I wrote uh, fuckery ensues as he hops in the back to fight the werewolf. You think he could have escaped if he tried, just run out the door and tried legging it? Yeah. I'm, well, he would have had a better shot than going in fisticuffs with the werewolf. But do you think at this point he's just pissed, annoyed, and angry? Because, of course, he's quite hot-headed when you live, when you, you know, of course, get to know him in the movie. He's quite loud. And, you know, he's a... He's a typical football lad, as we call him over here in England. He's just like, yeah, oh, you mean like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, if that's... Yeah, I don't remember if they build him up that way because this is Terry, I think, driving the vehicle, which is separate than the, the fast and loud guy. Um, yeah, you probably know. You are. Sure. Sure. I, I noted a question mark as Terry... No, wait, no, sorry. Munching on Terry. Fuck, I don't even know who's driving the vehicle at this point. He's <laughs> the British lad because he okay. does say, like, you know, fucking come at me then. And he goes after me and just starts, he just jumps on the wolf, but of course loses. <laughs> you might be right. I I mean, it, yeah, if if you explain it well as the character, then I'm, I'm sold. I just wrote fuckery because why? Why would you do it? <laughs> I, at this point, I, I, if you want to like kind of make up your own story in your head, I believe it would be when you've just been through so much shit and you've just seen all your friends comrades die. You know, you, you just think there's no hope anymore because you've got like five hours till daylight and all, all this in your brain. You're just pissed. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess he's in your your soldier already. You're already a fighter. You just like you don't fucking have it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that could have been his. Uh, yeah. Farewell. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I. At, at that point, I'd be quite pissed off after all the shit that's gone off, and anybody in the right mind, anybody who's a fighter, soldier, would be uh, would be pissed off. Yeah, I I can excuse it. It's a minor fuckery, but yeah. And then the team. So then the team comes out because the vehicle's backed up, backed in up against the the cottage and they back they open up the back of the vehicle and it unleashes a bunch of like blood and gore out the back i love that and the werewolf's eating uh the um the guy uh that just charged the werewolf in the back seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> fuck i actually love that so now now we've got an idea of what the werewolves look like and we've seen the bodies the shape the color and the, the size, would you agree that these are some of the best looking werewolves in werewolf movie history? Right up there. Um, yeah. With, man, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the the only one better that I can think of is probably uh, uh, America, an American werewolf in London. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, also with the transformation too, of course. It gives it that too. Yeah, but I'm also a sucker for... Uh, Werewolves on all fours, giggity. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, hold on one second. All right, we're back. That's the beauty of uh, having a podcast. You don't, uh, there's no pause when you step away. 
But you just pause that mic straight off the bat just from there. Yeah, I just stopped recording as I walked away. <laughs> what are you still using? Are you still using the OBS? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm recording again. I mean, we can talk about that, but <laughs> I guess oh, sorry, I thought it was on pause. I was just asking like how long did it take you to figure it all out yesterday? Oh shit, that's another story. Yeah, the uh, probably I don't know collectively like probably like five six hours maybe to get. OBS all straightened out, but yeah. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I had st- probably beer. That was a beer piss. I had to step away for a second, but so then we got to what are we at right now? Um, they already opened up the back of the vehicle. The werewolves freaking gnawing down on somebody. Um, they get trapped in the cottage again. So, after that failed escape attempt, they're trapped again. And then this is where Megan plays the piano with werewolves howling outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think? So, do you think this at this point? Do you, what's your what's your thoughts on Megan at this point now? Then. Um. So of course, yeah. Now we know that she. This is not her first real yo. Uh, she is playing piano. The world outside are howling. Are they howling along to her playing piano? They know she no, I mean, like at this point, what is your judgment on it? Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind here. So let's um, not knowing too much about her, not knowing too much about her. I'm still, I'm still a little on her side, a little bit. Like, yeah. Kind of. When I, I think when I was watching this movie, of course, there is always some things going on, and um, when you find out, of course, she's done this before. I was like, hmm. But of course, continuing on after that, we after the piano scene, that's when it gets gets fun again. Yeah, after she, uh, I th- I wonder if she's the one who says it. She's like, of course, there's no silver in the cottage. That's an interesting part I noted down because um, no silver in the entire cottage. Hmm. Note to self later on, but you may not think so much about it first time viewing. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, without, when we get towards it, you find out, well, you kind of can put it together why there isn't. Yeah. And I, I actually think this film, this movie does a good job of giving you little bits of pieces. They give you a little, uh, you know, that little bit of tidbits here and there. To you, if you're really, if you're really paying attention. To kind of build up that jigsaw and dig it in, you know, Put a piece together. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we get, um, let's see, we get Cooper. So he's tied up the captain, and they finally hash it out and bring up one of the opening scenes about him killing a dog. Like, it's waited this long. It finally comes and make, you know, it's it's full circle. The Cooper and the captain get to, like, kind of hash it out a little bit. Um, uh, this is the scene where you're about where they've tied him up, uh, of course, with the wounds healed yeah and then the captain reveals that the the special weapons division uh ordered to capture one of uh one of these things and bring it back alive if possible and the exercise the training exercise team was bait so we right yes yeah yes man that is i remember that's fucked up when you when you when you 
go through all that. It's a lot of information as he's tied up. We find out. Yeah. yeah that, uh, and then. <laughs> oh, sh- the, the captain starts to turn, of course. And, uh, uh is that the table scene? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, right. he jumps out the window as a werewolf during the fight. And he, he yeah, he, re- he get impaled by the, the saw, too. Oh, man. I don't remember that part. I just remember him jumping out of the window. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the, the scene when you do that's the use of the saw. They impale him from behind. And while, it, while it's in him, he still manages to, like, run across the table and jump out of the window. I think you're right. I think you're right, and he rejoins the pack after that. Yeah. Yeah, and then we uh, then we get to see the Sarge, and he's already healed up quickly, and then he realizes that he's turning into a werewolf as well, and wants to sacrifice himself to save the others because he just saw the captain turn, so he knows his fate pretty much. Yeah, is that where they? Is it, is that the scene where the werewolves come into the actual bedroom to him too? I'm trying to think if that's the part. Um, it might be. I didn't note anything, but I think that might be. Um, um, if course, yeah, I'm sure. So the the side because that scene when the fight in when the side runs out the window, in the scene to where one of the wolves goes up towards the dog, <laughs> sniffing it. Oh, that might be. Yeah, and then because um, they all that's a really because of course everything starts going fast from that point. So he runs out the window. Um, with the sword in him. Um, and then one of the teammates that shoot, you know, he's coming to start shooting him, he escapes because we trying to pack. Um, yeah, and the Sarge is healed up now because he was, he was unconscious for a while after they got knocked up. Yeah, and that's when, is it where the werewolves come into the bedroom to win? Like three of them? And he's there, like, leaning to go across the bedboard, of course, looking at him. I think that's it. I think so. I didn't I know. The water collie is in this situation the whole entire time, but nothing ever happens to him because, of course, it's a dog and they just they don't care. They always, well, they know he's there part of, part of the clan, a dog. <laughs> yeah, right. We, uh, and then we get a little bit of a, a reveal and we find out that the pan, the abandoned den cottage is a family of werewolves and Megan is part of the family and she's not in the family photo because she took the picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I noted, um, just a tiny bit of a sloppy reveal in my notes. I mean, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was a little, it felt just a tiny bit like a smidge forced on the reveal of, uh, you know, that she's not in the photo. Because she took the photo. Oh, shit. Well, so there's that part. So this is, I'm pretty sure this is before the, kind of a little bit after. So after the, the, after the photo, before the photo, you know the the loud British guy? guy? One of the soldiers, anyway. No, it's not the loud British guy. One of the soldiers gets, um, as the frying pan. You know that one? Oh, yeah. Frying pan. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's of course going to use it as a weapon, and that's 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 the awesome scene of. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, if it's after or before, but they pin him up against the wall and they just maw him to pieces, and you see the bones, the guts everywhere, then it kind of like switches to the dogs like watching the scene, and you just see the werewolf tearing him limb from limb. 
that's right after that's the next thing I was going to talk about. That's like right after we find out that uh, Megan is part of the the family. Um, because I, I think he says, I hope I give you the shits as he's getting killed. <laughs> what a way to go. Right. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. The, and then the, the Sarge starts to turn and, um, uh, he has th- this is actually towards the end I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm moving too fast on this but Sarge starts to turn then he has Cooper hide under the cottage through a trapdoor opening um, yeah so we're getting close to the end because of course there's the, the scene before he gets mauled mauled up he has that sweet ass close quarter combat fight with the werewolf and he ends up like shanking the werewolf like 60 times <laughs> yeah back up alive and then that's when it comes right to his face pins him up and gets the pan and I mean um, there's also the scene uh, where and it's a really good scene and it's when you know when they're upstairs and the werewolves have attacked upstairs and they've managed to get to the top floor and they've come in to look at the is it the captain or the sergeant who's, who's laid in bed who's still quite ill oh yeah yeah Just, the sarge yeah, so this is before the whole hiding thing. But that is that scene where the werewolves are running down the hallway and they go through the smoke. I forgot about that scene. Yeah, you remember that scene? I do remember. Yeah, so they're running and there's like smoke from probably the gunfights, the gunshots. And they're just running through, but like how the way they're running is like the hands like touching the walls. So it's kind of like they're like crawling, like not crawling, but I mean like pulling themselves along the walls too. That scene was sick for me. I love that scene. Yeah, I actually forgot about that scene until you just brought it up. But because <laughs> the scene, that, that that whole entire like area is really fast because a lot goes on quite rapid, doesn't it? Of course, because it's a big fight and then Wells are finally kind of like breaking in. Megan's now revealed that she's she's the queen of the damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from that moment of her reveal, it goes really fast. Like, yeah. and then we get um, Cooper cuts the gas lines and ex- and explodes the freaking house as the werewolves approach uh, before before he fully turns before um, Sarge fully turns not not Cooper. Yes, yeah, so the house blowing up. That's when they're the little blue blow sticks. And yeah, no. and then we find out Cooper finds himself in a meat locker of bodies underneath the den after the explosion. So he's realized that this is where they've been bringing all the, the dead bodies. Even the guy, even the earlier kills too, I think. Yeah. Well, does it ever explain how long this has been going on for? Never. Not that I noted. No. So we know that the, the family is, of course, the family of werewolves. But it doesn't give us any indication on how long it'd be along this family. Because I presume, I'd like to think that werewolves do have increased life. Like they can live longer than humans. Not not forever, of course, but I'd like to think that once you're a werewolf, you can live longer. Simply just from genetics alone and from the bodies enhanced. Yeah, from the mutation, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, so we're at the bit where they've blown up the house and. Uh, they're all hiding the hiding on the floorboards out there and doesn't he get in a fight with a wolf too yeah so there ends up when he finds out he's in the meat locker 
as I call it. Um, there's one more werewolf down there and it's, um, one of the soldiers who died. Um, it's the one that died who by, who ran into the tree branch. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and then that's when the fight ensues. And of course, which is freaking a brilliant, I, I don't, it's a good setup. Cooper finds the, the silver bladed weapon. Yeah, but that's the um, ah no, it's the fight with the the guy with the stab with the stab the sword because there's that awesome scene where he's pinned up against the wall and the sword's still in his chest and the werewolf's pushing pushing the sword into his mouth. Oh, that's earlier in the before the escape scene before Cooper gets under the den, I think. Is that really we missed that scene then? Because I remember that because that's freaking sick. That, oh, I don't think I think that's the same fight because he gets that little silver knife, doesn't he? Ah, you know, I'm not 100% sure. Um, yeah, he gets the fight with the mm-hmm. and he's got the sword in his chest and he's like, I was trying to deep throw him with it. <laughs> um, and of course, he finds that little silver knife with the engraving on it, or some little engraving, and it's tiny. He stabs it in the chest with it and you can see how like, the, the knife's work because of course it burns and the whole area starts getting all purple and then like, you know what I mean? Like it's done some damage. Okay. Yeah, I think that part's coming back to me. It's where the werewolf then, he like, because he kneels and then he gets his pistol and he says something because because it's the old sergeant captain and the werewolf puts his head towards the gun barrel and he says something and shoots the werewolf in the head. Uh, Let's see. I have it where the the silver, the bladed weapon was um, used to defeat that last werewolf. But you know what? It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I just... Uh, I gave us both props. Like, we, we thought we were going to start this quite a bit ago. <laughs> yeah, we, we were supposed to record this episode, like, right after watching it, and then it got delayed because you had to... You were you moved. Yeah, you moved. And then internet issues. Yeah, internet. yeah I was like, you got, I've just ordered the internet. i got to wait for that. Yeah. And um, so the... Oh, the day um, when I said I was doing some research because me confidently thinking to myself, I've just watched Dog Soldiers, yeah, I'll be fine. I watched uh, Company of Wolves and a little bit of American World of London. And that was what I researched. I did a bit of. And man, I forgot the Company of Wolves was a weird movie. Which one was that? Company of Wolves. It was like 1980 or something, Neil Jordan. I don't even think I've seen that one. Maybe I have. Very old one. Yeah, it's 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 the transformation where instead of like them slowly turning to us, one where the snout comes out the mouth and then the skin tears open. It's very old. And there's like the whole scene where like that like having a dinner party and the woman's laughing and then the whole like dinner party slowly turning to like dogs. And it's another old but awesome. Uh, movie i'm gonna have to look into that one i you know i probably have seen it when i was a kid or something like that and then yeah, there, there's a bunch like of those that. yeah it's one of those like you've seen as a kid i'm like oh yeah yeah man so we may have gotten the the ending a little different but it doesn't matter they're, they're in they're in to listen to us all you guys the listeners are already in so haha you guys are trapped listening <laughs> oh we already have listeners nice. yeah I mean yeah <laughs> and then I apologize for my accent I do uh, when I've talked to like Jess and friends and 
a lot of time my accent is confusing from words I say, so if anyone doesn't know if I say something like when he brays, because I said that earlier, then I was like, why did I say that? Bray means like beating the crap out of someone. <laughs> yeah. When I say, oh, that person brayed him, it, it means like they've just beaten the crap out of someone. It doesn't matter. There's a bunch of like words that just like we were talking about yesterday when we were trying to get the recording down. Like, uh, yeah. I forget what it was. You sent me a video and I was like, his, he's calling himself Cooter. And that means something. That means something yeah, completely. I never knew, so I was like, what? Yeah, that means something def- definitely different. If, if, if I was to say Cooter, like, like Cooter kick or whatever, that's like, that's the, the female crotch region. Cooter is something totally different. And this guy's referring to himself as Cooter. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> so, real quick then. So, what's the ending that you thought of? So, I, I remember the house blowing up, and I can remember the fight on the, in a basement in this with the sergeant of the sword in the chest. He uses the sword. He tries, the, the, the dog, the werewolf tries deep throating him with the sword that's in his chest. That's right. Blade stabs him. Yes, and then he uses the bladed um, silver weapon, which goes by way back to the very beginning, the 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 gift from the wife or whatever, because he finds the bladed weapon in the bodies, the the freaking the dead, whatever belongings of the original couple from the beginning. He uses the blade to defeat the werewolf, along with a little help from the the border collie. I guess distracts and barks at the werewolf. Yeah, and that's when the werewolf's head like kind of like lines with the pistol barrel, isn't it? He blows the head off. Yeah, see, your guess is as good as mine <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm multi-beers in, and it's been at least two weeks since I've watched it, but I know he defeats the fucking werewolf, and Cooper fucking makes it, because then the ending credits... Future listeners, we promise that this would be is going to be tight in the future. <laughs> yeah, much tighter. Like We... we, we we had the idea that we were going to watch this first, wasn't we? Then, like, literally the next day, talk about it. Yeah. Even my notes haven't fully helped me with two weeks. Shit. But, yeah, we're going to get uh, rejuvenation surgery, uh, vocal rejuvenation for the next... I mean, the next episodes will be good. This one was just delayed. But then the ending credits show... Um, this is freaking awesome. The ending credits show pictures that were taken during the fending off of the werewolves. You know, like, every time they flash the werewolves to, to fend them off... Yeah, because that's you see the picture of him with a bedroom scene, don't you? Like you actually see the scale of the werewolf, you know, looking down at the bed. Yeah, every time they flashed a werewolf, not boobies, but actually flashed with the 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 camera. <laughs> oh yeah. You get to see that during the ending credits, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I. Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall is sick. Yeah. I. Oh man. I, this movie is so good. Um, practical effects, fuck yeah. Uh, trapped in the house, fuck yeah. Ticking clock. They even give you a ticking clock. Like they have to like wait until uh, daylight or whatever to like yeah. to fight off. Um, uh, kind of like this whole grounded like uh, scenario, of course, when they're talking about the werewolves and the, even the lads like what the ones that don't like soul group stuff. It's kind of like brings like a a realistic point of view to it if this, if this was a real thing you know, people would be like no way I was the fuck you know? yeah I'm, I appreciate this movie um, it's funny that when you recommended this I just purchased it just like a couple weeks or a month before he was like uh, you were like yeah dog soldiers I was like what I just bought the collector's edition of it um, yeah because the, the, the whole thing of this the, 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 the 
this like first initiation podcast it was I we would just literally just have a chat about movies and what to talk about and we want about werewolves and what happened to them <laughs> yeah where have all the werewolves gone which we'll get into that probably a little bit more but um, this um this movie, it took six years to script, to refine it, and to obtain the funding. So, I mean, six years is a good amount of time. Um, what are you thinking about about rating five scale and a ten scale on this on this sucker? You want to go first, or you want me to go first? Yeah, be honest. You seem to have got a fresher memory than I do. Okay, so I'll go first on this one, and then I'll go second on an American Werewolf in London. But uh, so I'm going to give this one a five scaler. I'm going to give this one a three point five out of five, which equals for you guys that like tens better a seven out of ten, which is a freaking freaking solid seven out of ten, and it still holds up today. Even if a werewolf movie was released today. It probably wouldn't be as good as Dog Soldiers. And I think I'm I'm exactly on board of your Yeah, I think I can agree with you and say it's about seven seven five. I think you're right right in saying if this came out today, of course with maybe, you know, a bit more in H D of course, but use exactly the same as it would it would do well, I think. I think if anything it might actually do better than it did then. Simply because it'd be a fresher movie, because of course, without we were saying there's no more wealth anymore, this came out and it did really good market, and I think it would do really well for an action horror. For sure, if if you think um, if they kept practical effects, right, as long as they didn't touch CGI. Yeah, I think there's there is a very niche way of like for, for CGI when it comes to horrors it works and it doesn't work I think anything when it comes to for example werewolves and how you know especially vampires it doesn't need to be CGI you know what I mean especially if these are long going movies like that's already been done like Alien once they started CGI in the Alien it was like really like we already know it's a prop and it looks better as how it is um uh, well, I definitely think doesn't need to ever be CGI'd, and if it did, the only time it would need it is the transformation part. But even then, I disagree. American Wealth Modern shows as it doesn't need to be. Yeah, I fully agree on all of that. I don't even know if Dog Soldiers is streaming anywhere. I do, I do believe that this, if this movie came out today and it was the same, of course. Just look a bit cleaner, um, you know, maybe even Blu-ray, 4K, whatever it is. Um, it would do well. I believe that it would. It would sell. I agree. Um, I I have the collector's edition, um, which they remastered. Um, you know, Scream Factory. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Um, yeah so they remastered, um, and it's still. Um, it's still a tiny bit grainy, but they did what they could, and I, it still looks better than than the other release out there. Uh, yeah, I think if they had today's today's budget and uh, and backing, it would they would still nail it with practical effects for sure. But as long as the estimated budget was two million back then. Okay, so that that's still that's still really low for two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually really low. 
Um, to be fair, with a movie, you wouldn't expect that. Quite a decently well-made movie. Yeah, it's for what they had. They they nailed it. Um, for those of you who want to check it out, um, hopefully you already have seen it at least once, or you just you're one of those people who are like a glutton for punishment and enjoy spoilers um, everywhere you can get it. But uh, if you want to stream it, it's available on Prime Video and Vudu for free with ads. Of course, Vudu. Uh, I'm not sponsored by Vudu. I just love Vudu. <laughs> I'm like talking about it like I'm sponsored, but the, a lot of times they'll offer like a video, a movie for free with ads in between, like a couple. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's acceptable. Yeah. Well, I I don't have anything else to say about this movie. Do you? Other than I like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wish I watched it sooner, sooner rather than ages ago, and been more refreshed on it. But no, I think in terms of werewolves, it's one of my favorites, definitely. Yeah. It's so good. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Yeah? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. David, stop! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? Oh! You can't let them go. Should the world know our business? It's murder, then. Then murder it is. Excuse me. I'm a werewolf. A werewolf? Naked American men stole my balloons. What? magical back where you don't even have to wait for a commercial or anything like that the next movie we're going to talk about is 1981's an american werewolf in london which is currently sitting 
at an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb, and 92% of Google users like this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Another one of those movies that's just got some beautiful scenes, and beautiful moments, and I think actually when I was a child, this movie kind of freaked me out. Not even that. Same. All I gotta say is same Z's on that one, because it freaked me out more than a lot of other movies around that time. There's very few movies. Uh, the '80s were kind of scary because. Uh, that was the beginning of, uh, of you know, practical effects. They were honing their craft, and uh, you didn't see too many 70s movies. There were some some great ones in the 70s, but then the 80s, it was just like, that's where... I just think, there were just some, some effects and some, some scenes of the movie where... Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, this one got to me. Um, so... It has a little bit of uh, that nostalgia, um, and I do run. My blood, my blood does run on nostalgia. Um, I'll admit that um, if it's something that I grew up with and I got good vibes with it, uh, it does still stick with me as an adult. But yeah, this was a childhood movie for me again. This was very old one. So right off the bat, um, the very, very, very beginning of this movie, the song Blue Moon, the slow version of Blue Moon is playing over an opening. It's a scenery. We get to see a scenery of a countryside, which I believe is um, uh, Yorkshire. Is that how you say it? Yorkshire? Yorkshire. Yeah, that's where I live. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, in the movie, which I don't know where they actually filmed filmed this exact scene, but the very opening with the blue moon, it's showing shots of uh, the countryside of uh, Yorkshire. So that's kind of interesting. In, in uh, I don't know how accurate that is. If that's actually, it was probably what shot maybe somewhere else. But uh, well, it kind of looks like in the movie uh, that so near me there's a place called the Yorkshire Mars. And it is just like the Mars, like you see there, is just dampness and moss and grass. And Yorkshire is very, very, very. Um, there's a lot of farms around here. There's not much, you know, major cities in Wakefield. But yeah, it's believable that it's Yorkshire. Okay. Yeah. So even if they didn't actually film exactly where they're saying, it's just still believable, which is good. Uh, it, it, it's a nice little opening touch, and I like the song. I like this choice of songs, which I'm just going to say it right now. I'm not even going to wait till the end. Every freaking song in this movie has in the title, Moon. Um, yeah. I love it. <laughs> like Blue Moon. Um, I don't know which version it is, but of course, a lot of big bands do it, like Dion Belmont's cover that song. Uh, you've got Creedence Clearwater. Yeah. Uh, Moon Rising that's in there too yeah there's quite a bit of Moon songs in there right they throw in a bunch of them um, in every single song (laughs) in its own way yeah 
I appreciate that fact. Um, that's like one of a little thing that I do appreciate about a movie. It's something like I would do if if uh, if I was to write a movie, I'd throw in something weird like that. It's not necessarily weird, but it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a good way of doing the movie. It kind of you just know what you're in for because every song is about the moon. I've got werewolves and it's it's just nice. I think it's just so well done that way. Yeah, it's very mood setting for sure. <laughs> um, after the music, we get the blue moon song, the scenery, and then the first scene. Uh, we see David and Jack. They're in the back of a truck with sheep. <laughs> and they are two American college students. Yeah, um, they're kind of like just visiting abroad, just exploring, um, which I found this scene to be amazing because how they're in the back with the sheep, it's like like sheep to the slaughter. So you have these two Americans. <laughs> oh, man. Also, England's full of sheep, by the way. Is it? Okay. So, so yeah. So there's that, I guess. And then there's like the brilliant aspect of it as well. Like sending sheep to the slaughter. Um, David and, I don't know. I, I appreciate that more as an adult. As a kid, I thought it was kind of more of just like funny, but, um, it is very clever and I am definitely on your side. Uh, it is probably with the director, but I thought, you know, doing that scene was you said sheep to the slaughter and of course what comes next when they go to the actual pub the name of the pub yeah which <laughs> there's so many good parts of this movie um the guy that that drops him off um he says something like he's like uh keep off the moors stick to the roads and the best of luck um and so the moors is how I understand it. It's kind of like a dangerous uh, wilderness, maybe. Um. So, from my little knowledge of the Moors, I know that some famous murderers buried bodies there. Um, probably during the time or before that. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But not only that, it is. I reckon they're just saying it's dangerous because they know something they don't know but that, it's a general normal place to go hiking I myself go hiking so if I go like Scotland I, I don't think it's dangerous because it's so the wilderness it's just very damp okay so it's more of a just the backstory with the guy already knows yeah well I'll go next week and if I come back a werewolf then we'll know it's dangerous okay yeah you let me know how that goes yeah. <laughs> can you wear a ow <laughs> Can you wear one of those uh, red puffy jackets too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Document it. <laughs> uh, so then they get off, and the guy drives off, and then the Jack. So he's not happy to be in England, but David likes it. Uh, he kind of like jokes around. Jack's like joking around about how he the, the weather and all that stuff. <laughs> all British people do and he's just one step closer to being British by doing that is he? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he's he's adapting more than David yeah I mean you've got to be you even there's two things that make you British pints and complaining and there you go you're British oh man so yeah he's already almost there <laughs> 
Jack is a straight up British man almost. Yeah. We're, we're rough people, I tell you. If any British people are watching, don't worry. Like, they'll laugh at this because they'll probably think the same. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of interesting because uh, different cultures, uh, me on the American side and and you on the English side as far as that goes it's kind of interesting because this movie is a mix of both as well yeah it's it, I guess it is yeah I mean I was talking about it earlier I was different countries things are awesome yeah yeah I'd totally say it is I, I'd like to actually do some research on where the wealth uh, originally the idea of wealth originally come from uh, for this movie general actually you know I, I wonder subjects of well of course what movie i wonder like was it an american themed thing was it a japanese do you mean oh yeah yeah so um the origins of it, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. As other than um, they used to think that it's it's iffy. There's different theories on it, but like hyenas would used to like laugh almost like humans and stuff like that. Um, so the idea of the people turning into werewolves, um, I remember reading up a long time ago about it might have originated from like hyenas and people being because hyenas are pretty big, pretty scary animals and. Uh, they can sound like people, and then coyotes can sound like people too. Um. Yeah, apparently the first um, example of a werewolf was actually ancient Greece and Rome. Okay. Holy damn! <laughs> yeah, it, it's the history for you guys there. <laughs> yeah, it's been around for a long time. Um, Just hairy, burly men. Right. And then, like, some guy was probably um, sitting around and he saw some hairy, like you said, some hairy, burly man. And then he, like, did, he walked around the corner and then, sure enough, something else walked around the, the other side of the corner. And it was... <laughs> no, who knows? <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the full moon aspect, too, is kind of interesting. How, like, activity and people people can change and uh, uh, exhibit different behaviors and uh, even in like wolves out of the moon that's probably where the that idea came from yep so yeah it's crazy to think how old it actually is yeah I mean the idea of werewolves have been around for a very long time where uh, these guys Jack and David they're definitely not thinking about werewolves. They're uh, they're like whatever, and uh, but I know Jack. He, on his mind, he's ta- he's thinking about Debbie Klein. Do you remember uh, him bringing up Debbie Klein and how um, how he's after her? And uh, that was like a weird conversation that they had. Oh no no no! Is she somebody back in later? Somebody back in the states, and she never even shows up throughout the entire film. It's kind of right. yeah. <laughs> Which he has someone. He's he's interested in someone back in the states. Yeah, he's interested, and then David kind of like jokes around about how she uh, doesn't have a, a great personality and stuff like that, and he says something like she has a mediocre. She has. A, I forget what he says. I don't want to misquote him, but it's something you know, like a good body and a mediocre personality or something like that, and then <laughs> I don't know. Doggy style. Maybe, right? (laughs) And then they joke around, and you can tell John Landis, because he, um, 
he did the Blues Brothers and he did other comedies too. So he he knows how to work his comedy and he even throws in like the knock knock joke, like where he's telling David's uh, David's telling Jack to say knock knock. And that's kind of like the, when you tell somebody to say knock, knock, it kind of like starts like a weird joke, but <laughs> he's not getting it. Jack's, Jack's not having, not getting it, but. It's funny you mentioned Blues Brothers because there's something in this with the Blues Brothers, isn't there? I don't know if I want to spoil it just yet, but. You know what? You might have to bring that up when it comes up because I am actually not 100% sure on that one. It's nothing. Yeah. I'll bring it up now, it's not a story spoiling, but at some point in the movie, you actually see the Blues Brothers as a, like a cheeky Easter egg cameo. Really? Um, yeah, man. I missed that. This is like... Yeah, this I'm is... not spoiling the story, but you'll know it's the dining scene when they go for dinner. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. Keep, uh, keep an eye out. You see uh, that at the table. And, yeah. A little... Uh, a little tidbit. It's a little, like cameo, like yeah, it's nothing like movie breaking. It's just a little Easter egg. Did you know that um, John Land, not John Landis, but the the actual uh, uh, company that was producing and funding this movie, they wanted uh, the Blues Brothers cast, Dan Aykroyd, um, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi to play as David and Jack. Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder if uh, that's probably the reason why it's in the in it. Maybe. I yeah. I don't know. That's kind of interesting, but... Um, yeah. So, let's move on. The The boys are, are walking through, and then they... Of course, they come across the famous... The Slaughtered Lamb. Yes. Yes. The pub and it has a bloody's wolf's head, I, which it looks like a metal pike or something like that. Yeah, it'd probably most likely be a, be a medieval pike. That's what I was guessing. I couldn't find much information, but I didn't dig too deep on that. It just to me, it looked like a yeah bloody severed wolf's head on a metal pike, and then um, the pub. Of course, it's uh, near East Proctor in Northern England. Um, and Jack is like, where's the lamb? And David's like, it's probably inside getting cold. He's like joking around still. <laughs> and then they... Uh, uh, that's... Um, it's funny that, because I don't know if the uh, Slardam is actually uh, real. Oh, do you know it? Have you done some research into this? Um, there are some out there, but I think they came after the movie. Right, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I couldn't find any anything that existed um, before the movie uh, happened. So over here in England, a lot of pubs have weird, like, quite quirky names. Like, an example is just near me, we've got the Tappan Barrel, we've got uh, Hope and Anchor, we've got um, the Royal British Legion Club. They have names kind of like that, if you get what I mean. Okay, yeah. So, the start lamps is... I, I, I'd easily think that's a British book. So I'm off to the slot of Lamp Park. I mean, alright. <laughs> it's a very, very believable then. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's uh, I I love the name, the name of it, and then the the sheep, and then uh, even Jack mentioning where's the lamb at, and you've got a wolf's head. That's kind of interesting too. <laughs> and then they uh, yeah. yeah. So it's called the slot of Lamp, but of course on the jewel. 
bought outside. It is a wolf's head, isn't it? It's tongues out and everything in it. Yeah. There, there's no lamb. Like you think the slaughtered lamb would have a slaughtered lamb, but the slaughtered lamb has a slaughtered wolf. Crazy. I wonder what's the story behind that is. Yeah, I don't know. John Landis, when uh, John Landis holds that secret. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they walk in, and there's a lively crowd, but it goes dead silent. Um, and quickly, they they know that they're they're not welcomed like right away. As soon as they walked in, like you get the vibes. And they they did this this scene brilliantly because you um, you feel the tension. And you know that they're not welcome, and it's weird for just two people to walk in like that. Yeah, especially with um, the area that they're in. You know, it's uh, usually anything like that in England, a pub. That's uh, when I went to Scotland and did some hiking. You walk into a pub that's in the middle of nowhere where tourists are. Then you walk in, and was like, oh. I mean, like, because everyone knows each other from there as a community. That's that's a thing over here. Uh, okay, yeah. So it immediately draws attention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Americans, I guess, because of course, you, know, you guys have the different accent from us, so it's easy to like spot an American. And I guess the same as easy to spot a British over there. You know what I mean? The accents alone, I mean, the way we dress is different. Yes. British tourists with like a socks and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be able to spot an American without saying anything? Yeah, because uh, of course England is a very runic, historic country in its own. So we've got a lot of like literally just outside my window is a castle. Oh, okay. In fact, castle. I'm not even kidding. But like that's an everyday thing for me. But an American, you know, we usually get them with the camera around the, the neck and even because of course I used to live in Florida and my dad's friends would come over here just for holidays and come back and say, "Yo, walls are so old." You know, we you know proper. You know what I mean? Walls like from the medieval times, and to us it's just yeah, it's just walls. But to American, most Americans just can't get over the fact that we still have very, very, very old buildings. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, then of course, when a British goes up to America, everything crazy big and just looks cleaner because England's just always rainy and dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, well, it, it, I can even um, go a little bit further than it's the difference between uh, where I live at in Washington State, um, over the mountains, Western Washington and Central Eastern Washington, separated by the mountains, look totally different. Where one side's getting all the rain, and one side isn't, so it's it's way different. But it'd be even more of a difference going over there. But um, I, I one thing with England. Um even myself I, I struggle with is it's we have a lot of accents over here oh, okay we travel and now it's down a road somewhere and the accent significantly changed that's weird to me <laughs> yeah it's it's even to this day I don't I think it's also because I live in America for the majority of my life too um but when I came back here like a Yorkshireman and a Jollyman and do you know what I mean and just the accents alone are you can't go, you can go into a pub in England and four people out of the ten will all sound completely different <laughs> wow whereas here you wouldn't really get that like I'd have to for me to see a change um, I'd have to go to the 
the East Coast, clear across the United States or like Southern and stuff like that, where I start noticing difference where Southern accent and then Eastern, like Boston, get in the car and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah. It, it's most, yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, so they know right away that these guys are outsiders, and obviously it's a small area, anyways. But uh, when they walk into there's a there's a five pointed star with burning candles to each side, which is kind of interesting. It's a it's a pentagram or a sigil, um, which we find out is designed to ward off of evil. Um, which it can symbolize earth, water, wood, fire, metal, and ancient. Um, in ancient times or more recent times, uh, like modern Wicca, it's fire, water, earth, air, and spirit. Um, which when I was a kid, I think I saw that as like something that might be evil, but it's not, uh, it's to ward off evil. Whereas you get the reversed pentagram with the two points facing upward, projecting upwards. And that's a symbol of evil and attracts sinister forces. Uh, it overturns the proper order of things and, uh, demonstrates the, the triumph of matter over spirit. And then there's usually like a head of a goat inside the pointed star with the two horns facing up and all that junk but <laughs> also a quick shout out to Brian Glover who's like either the dart player or the chess player but I always remember him he's, he's in the pub you know the guy from Alien 3 he's the bald guy who shouts yes yep <laughs> sure he's, he's one of the pub guys in there I'm just, I always just remember that he is one of the pub guys um which there's only two that no sorry there's three that stand out there's two guys in, in the the barkeep the lady barkeeper um, stands out. She amazing actor. Oh man, she did such a good job. And then there's the dart player, and then the chess player. Those are like the two, the two guys that stand out. And then the yeah, the barkeeper. I, I always remember Brian Logan when I, when I watched him. Like ain't Superman the ball guy. Yeah, the um, he's the the chess player, the one that's sitting down. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Um, he's the he's he's the most vocal. Um, Within oh, the, he's the one that's, that's talking to him the most, isn't it? Yeah, he kind of uh, he dictates the mood, so he's like the fucking uh, he's the the shot caller, the OG in the pub. Because if you know, if you pay attention, he kind of dictates how everybody else is feeling, <laughs> right? Yeah, so he's got that shit on lockdown, he's on he's got that stuff under control because um. <laughs> Jack actually interrupts the laughing crowd because he's joking. So he's the one telling the joke. He's vocal. Uh, he stops playing chess. Um, uh, something about what is it? The Alamo reference. Um, that's how it starts. So Jack says, "Remember the Alamo," and then it warms up the crowd because they the the chess player. He's like, "Yeah, I remember the the Alamo." And um, Jack was like, "Yeah, it was pretty bloody." And uh, the chess player, he was like, "Yeah, it's bloody awful." And then everybody starts laughing, and then he starts telling the joke, and then um, of course. The, the crowd's actually more open to these Americans now because uh, they're interacting and then Jack has to kill it by he he freaking says it he he's like what's this what's that star on the wall for like right after the joke and everybody's laughing <laughs> and that breaks the tension 
Yeah, so then it goes dead silent again, like they just walked in all over again. And then the dartboard player, which I'm not sure the actor's name, he misses. And he he's not happy about it. He's like, you made me miss. I've never missed that board before. And it's it's pretty, it's tense when he says that. The dart player is actually David Cuffield. Okay, the dart player. Yeah. He's also a very known actor. He, he, yes. He's good. Yeah. Gladiator and Pirates of Caribbean. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what else he was in, but uh, he creates some good tension because you can clearly feel like you believe, it's believable that he's never missed the board before and he's like, you fuckers made me miss. Um, he wants he wants to cut him or something. <laughs> British man in the stat or football oh. soccer team guys. is that it <laughs> yeah David uh, so David's the one who feels uncomfortable and wants to leave and then Jack is like he's head- hesitant and he says he's starved um, but he agrees to leave when the dart player says uh, there's new f- there's no food here like so uh, yeah the dart the dart guy is like there's no food here get out um he doesn't say get out but you can tell in his voice and then um then the patron the patron the bar patrons want them to leave and the the lady barkeeper she wants them to stay and then the dart players like um stay on the road keep clear of the moors and then um the chess player which is like the the shot caller he's like beware the moon lads um and that sends him out the door. And that's, that's when it sets the mood because of course now you've heard the one twice they've kind of got it. The, you see, you've witnessed the the weird pub and the weird people inside. They almost kind of kind of give away this impression they know what's going on. They don't want really want to say or agree to the, what they know. That makes sense? Yeah, the, the um, they're debating on whether they actually wanted him them to leave but they definitely you definitely get the vibes and then they know they know much more than what's actually happening they don't even have to say what exactly is going on you just know just from by the way they're talking and that's when they that's when they go on the, the walk yeah the last walk yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack's freaking last walk. Oh man, oh, <laughs> this one's uh, this one creeped me out big time as a kid. So, uh, and it, it cuts back to the pub, and they're discussing. We already talked about that. Letting him go. We hear like the haunting howls of the wolf. It cuts to David and Jack hearing the same howling. Um, they realize it's a full moon, and they didn't stick to the road. Uh, then they decide to head back to the slaughtered lamb, which I believe it's already, um, I believe it's already raining at that point. Um, is this where you start, like, this is going towards the point where the clouds start moving and you start seeing the moon? Yeah, that's when you, um, David and Jack, because they're, they're kind of like, they're best friends, so they're joking around. They, they walk off the path. I, I kind of understand that, um, but um, they're not really paying attention. And then they see the moon. They realize it is a full moon. They're like, oh, shit. Um, not only did is it a full moon, but we walked off the path. Um, and then they start to panic a little bit. 
and they get lost. Sure, that's the where they start kind of pick up the pace to get back. Yeah, the uh, and they hear the the unseen animal calling out as they're like they're panicked. They're not. They'd want to go back to the slaughtered lamb, but they they're actually not one hundred percent sure where because they're off the path. Um, and then the noise turns from a howl to a growl, and then they stop in their tracks, and they realize that it's actually circling them. Um, so this is kind of interesting because um, they they realize they're getting circled, so they're like cautious, but then they keep walking. Then they start running because it's just, at this point, it's too freaky, and this is where uh, Drave, uh, Dravid, David, <laughs> David, he actually trips. He trips and he falls and he screams. So this part's interesting because... Um, it kind of like dictates what happens next because he tripped and he fell and he screams. And then Jack is like, you really scared me, you shithead. And then he turns to, to look down and David's like, um, you going to help me up or what? And he extends his hand out. And this is where Jack goes to grab for his hand. But then the infamous, uh, attack, the werewolf actually jumps out from the side yeah this one's pretty brutal like I remember being slightly traumatized as a kid from watching Jack getting ripped apart and then David freaking runs he books it he's like fuck this I'm out of here as soon as his friend's getting ripped apart (laughs) Jack Jack's dead yeah Jack's gone like I mean I totally get that like right um something that big and evil if you don't have a weapon you're kind of like fuck the thing is like any logic like if you have to think logically like if, if something is bigger and hairier than you best friend family or not there's not much you can do yeah it's kind of like the 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 whole drowning scenario um you have to be able to save your you have to be able to survive to save other people and if you can't save somebody you're not going to want to drown yourself as well yeah, that's a good scene too. That because of course they're wearing the, uh, the jackets, and when he's getting mauled, you see all the little coming out at the same time and blood. Oh man, it's so good because um, David's wearing the red jacket, and I think it would have been less effective to see him get ripped apart with the red jacket. But um, Jack's wearing the darker colored. What is it like greenish? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we get the contrast of his greenish jacket and the blood and being ripped apart. Um, I don't know. It's I'm thinking like it's there's there's some movies that do animal attacks really well. Like this one does it really well because it kind of it doesn't show you the full body of the werewolf, nor does it Jack. But because it's quite a close-up, you get more personal look, your feeling towards Jack and his his emotions because you see him getting shredded at having you know, bits and face and screaming. And there's another movie, it's not quite a horror, but a shout out to it anyway. And that's The Revenant, The Oh, I love that movie. And like, that's a real, like, really good, even though the bear is CGI in a way. That, that attack is so real. Yeah, realistic. This kind of does it, but not in a sense like that, because of course you're really close up. But when you watch it, especially for time, it's like you see Jack's face and tell he's in pain it is it's really good i love that man. i love the scenes 
one of my favorite, not the favorite scene, but, uh, well, there's probably the second favorite or tied with another scene, but it's amazing. Um, everything's believable. Even when Jack cries out, he's like, it's killing me. Like that's something that somebody would actually say, like, it's killing me. Um, yeah, yeah, that got me. I to say what you, what you say in a moment with yeah and he, he knows he's dying and he actually yells it out like it's killing me and that's when uh that's when david turns around and runs back after he cries it's killing me like uh he's like oh that's when he feels bad and yeah yeah he uh he returns and we get to see a, the bloody mess of Jack where she's already done for. And then David gets attacked and scratched across his face. Um, the pub patrons show up cause they've been debating about it and they show up and they shoot the werewolf. And then we see David, the scenes r- really freaking awesome too. David's laying on the ground and he looks over, he's like half conscious and he looks over and he sees the, he sees a naked man and he's bloody and dying and he's ridded with, with bullet holes. And then, and then David passes out. Altogether, really, really good scene and a very recognizable scene. Yeah, I love everything about that. Um, even so, another thing that a lot of people don't talk about this movie is the transitions are fucking amazing in this movie. Each time, if you if you pay really close attention, transition um, either from like sequence, whether someone's passing out or waking up or somebody's getting attacked. Like John, oh man, John Landis did an excellent job on transitions, and uh, David wakes up and. In the hospital, and he immediately calls for Jack, and this is where we get to see Nurse Alex Price for the first time. So he calls out to Jack. Oh man, um, is it just me or is Alex freaking hot? <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> like uh, Jenny, I've got to her name is right. Of course, she was born in. 1952 so she would be a woman but by god she was oh man yeah 80s alex price and this is kind of sad but i think i looked her up like uh (laughs) like 10 years maybe like five maybe like five ten years ago and she was still for an older lady um really attractive um (laughs) but like even like so as the nurse it's not like she's hot sexy like hot damn model hot she's got like cute like god she's cute hot that makes any sense oh no it makes perfect sense it doesn't help if she's in a nurse outfit i mean come on yeah, that, that that's unfair. That's unfair for. I mean, as a as a kid, I mean, I thought she was like I had like a kid crush, a kid celebrity crush on her immediately. But even as an adult, it's still not fair. Like I'm like, oh man, um, and like she's like that hot where. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's not model hot, but I would take, you know, I prefer that hot over model hot any day. Yeah, like I'm not a, I'm not one for the ultimate hot on the hot. I'm more of the cute, cute girls. If that makes sense. I mean, one of my, um, one of my celebrity crushes is Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, okay, that's a good one. She's just cute, you know what I mean? She's not like sexy or anything. She's just this cute hotness. Yeah. So I totally agree with Alex. She's a, a cute hotness. Yeah. 
I dig it. <laughs> I actually have the a similar uh, similar kind of type. I prefer like the cute, the cute hot. Like Felicity Jones is one of my celebrity crushes. Um, where she's a little bit, a little bit of that uh, quirky, cute. Um, you know the one from uh, the Theory of Everything and uh, and Rogue One. Yeah. No. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of different. It's like. <laughs> yeah. So we both kind of have like that that same. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyways, we're getting sidetracked on that, but then the doctor tells <laughs> the doctor tells uh. Like well. I'm. I still am. I was watching it. Um just two days ago and then the yeah just two days ago i was like i was slightly distracted when she was on screen each time but then the doctor write notes and just like that's when the ink slowly goes down the page (laughs) yeah i lost it a little bit um and then uh so anyways the doctor comes in and he tells him that jack's dead i don't even i don't remember if he's like like nonchalant or if he's just like I think he might be kind of brutal and he's like Jack's dead or whatever and then uh, David doesn't believe him and then Nurse Price uh, she she's preparing like a, a sedative in the background as the, the doctor's trying to control him and then the, the doctor says it was a, a a lunatic that killed Jack and then David says it was a wolf right before he passes out so like uh, that kind of like sets the the tone for uh for Alex and the doctor trying to figure out it it tells you right away that <clears throat> somebody's going to be more involved in this movie um whether it's both of them this impression that the hook people uh patrons and of course um and Alex in, in that situation I've probably told the police that it was a lunatic and I haven't told them that it was a wolf because of course you see the hook folk know it's a wolf and shoot at it in fact how they tell him tell David that it was lunatic it's gonna make you think people like you know oh no it's just a lunatic yeah exactly and um we find out the police reports even like say it's a lunatic and all that stuff well well all soins i mean right the witnesses collaborate that it was so there's no one to say that it was a wolf because a dead guy was like a dead naked guy was there so obviously you're gonna think it's a lunatic what what other guy's gonna like attack and like kill somebody naked they've got to be crazy (laughs) yeah yeah. or on bath salts if it's florida here and you still live in florida you said oh don't even get me started yeah if this was filmed in florida then they would have said the guy was on on bath salts and uh quickly dismissed it yeah that's a thing i mean that, that, that wouldn't it wouldn't be a werewolf movie. it would just be a florida man right yeah it'd be a florida man and then well you would be fucking awesome though um a Florida man movie where uh, everybody's dismissing because everybody's crazy, but um, there is actually a werewolf or a zombie outbreak or something like that. But everybody's like, yeah, I've seen that. I see that every weekend or whatever. Florida. <laughs> that would actually be pretty bad. <laughs> He's living in semi Florida. Oh, I don't even know where that is, but I've never been to Florida. It's, it's hot and crazy. I believe it. I believe you. <laughs> I never ever go. Whoop. Whoop. That was like the hills advised, but in a city. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
So let's uh so what happens next here? Oh, Scotland Yard shows up and they don't believe David. American consulate shows up, isn't it? Oh yes, along with Scotland Yard, right? Or is that before yeah, or do they show up at the same time? He's visited by the chief of police and the American yeah, this guy's quirky as fuck. Like um, the American guy, I, I, I hate him the most out of anyone in this movie. He, he's, I don't know, too weird. Like I, I know a John Landis probably wanted somebody like that, but I think he went too far with that guy. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the part you was on about how they they tell him Jack's dead, and so it was like a lunatic. Cause that's where the uh, chief of police and the American look questioning and Jack just says that uh, David just says that Jack was attacked by a giant uh, powerful animal and they tell him that it was a lunatic yeah and his act the the American uh, consulate he's the acting's not that great no yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. I yeah, I don't even want to spend any time on this guy. Um so then we <laughs> we get to uh no, oh, this is an awesome scene. The dream sequence. We get to see the first dream sequence and it's a POV of running in the woods. Um Yeah. Yeah. And um this is actually uh, the second, the second dream sequence, because uh, the first one is like, um, yeah, there's actually a first, sorry, there's a first dream sequence, POV, and then he's, um, he gets woken up by the doctor calling his name, and then, and then he tells him Jack's dead. I've, I just kind of skipped that part. So this is the second dream sequence, but then we get to see, we see David running naked, uh, frolicking in the woods, freaking all naked and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one way to run naked and then he comes to the bed, isn't it? And then sees himself lying in the bed. That's the third one, I believe. This is... um. Yeah, the second one's where he spots the two deer. The the Yes. Yeah. And he attacks and he eats one of and he freaking uh well it doesn't show if he got both of them, but he got one of them because he's uh he's chomping down on a severed uh deer limb. And then when does it come when this is going towards the part where he sees Jack, isn't it? Yeah, we're almost to that part because then there's like a sequence where um, Alex is talking to the no kid. No, 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 no. He just says no to everything. Um, I don't remember the kid's name, but it's actually kind of funny. I, it's it stands out. It's a little weird. It doesn't really fully tie into the movie, but um, it is. It's kind of interesting thing to throw in there. I guess. Hell yeah! Like, um, I love how um, I uh, the, it made the movie more powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not gonna skip ahead of class because we're gonna talk about. But yeah, we're it's it's so well written because it's not just a werewolf movie, is it? How much more to it than just the werewolf, of course? And then when you watch the movie, as we get more into, why? God, it's so good. Because of course we're just talking about the nightmare and getting some actual what generally happens. Yeah, it's not just here's David. He's a werewolf. He goes on killing people. There's so much more to it that just just make it such a 
great movie, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, yeah. It's not just a werewolf movie. It's not only just a curse of the werewolf, but it's psychological, too, and he's uh, he's he's traumatized. He's gone through trauma, too. Um, yeah, yeah. And it makes you question kind of like what's going on, Where's what's real, what's not a little bit sometimes. But, um, yeah, so... Um, then we're still in the hospital, and then uh, so David's not hungry. This is a little, a little, a little hint, a little sign. You know, kind of like, oh, okay, he's not hungry. Something's going on, right? Because it's not just thrown in there randomly. You kind of feel like, and then Alex is like, um, she force feeds him in a playful way. This is where the flirting begins, and I get jealous because. Uh, <laughs> some, some <laughs> yeah, right. She force feeds. She's like, don't make me force feed you. Um, I was like, oh, damn, you can force feed me anytime you want, but... <laughs> All it takes to get bitten by a werewolf on your map is to tell me where to go and where it is. Right. I mean, other than that, he's not really... His game is not... He's not He's not throwing anything at her. She's the one that's coming to him. Um, I don't know if because maybe he's foreign or something like that and, and been attacked. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. Also, you got... You Americans have it easy when you come the girls, let me just tell you, you're just speaking that accent, and the girl's like, Whoa! Okay, I'm coming over. You don't need no werewolf fight, you just have that American accent. Girls like, When, um, we get is just castles and pints, man. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. <laughs> when, so, when, when am I coming over to visit? <laughs> <laughs> we go to the Mars, yeah, we'll look that sort of lamp. <laughs> All right. And then you can come over and visit me because uh, it's the reverse effect. You get that effect over here. So your accent uh, draws over here. So it's like... sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So let's jump through here. Um, okay. So now we this is another dream sequence and this is david running through the woods again we already know he's running but this time he's fully clothed and he's in his um his puffy red jacket and the same get up as the night they were attacked um this is where this is where you brought up if you want to talk about this one because this is where he sees himself laying in the hospital bed this is where he's looking over the bed yeah so um he, I think behind a tree, he spots himself laying in the bed, and then Nurse Hottie uh, approaches him. Yeah, and she smiles, um, and then it shoots to David's face. Um, this one scared. Yeah, this is that scene in it with his eyes. And... Yeah, the yellow eyes. And then the teeth and like the pale face. It reminded me a little bit of like Howdy Doody from The Exorcist a little bit. For some odd reason, it reminded me of like George Romero, like old zombie movie. Or like, you know the old zombie movies where you used to put those big little white eyelids over the eyes to give that big pale look? Oh, yeah, I can see that. I, mean, I don't know why. It just it always does. Strange. I all I know is it. It scarred me as a kid, and it kind of reminded me of uh, a little bit of the demon, the devil, and the exorcist a little bit, but different, obviously, because of the yellow eyes and stuff. But um, like American Wild from London, like being a child at the time when it came out, or even I guess now you show it as a young child, it is quite a freaky movie. Because, like, I, like I said, it's not just a werewolf movie. There's just there is some freaky scenes in it. 
Yeah. Do you think um, you think it'd have the same effect on a kid? Like, um, I don't know how old I was when I saw. It. Obviously, I was too young to watch it. I think. Yeah, I was only one year one year old when it released, so I didn't get to see it till it was out in video. I rented it from my dad. Rented it from Blockbuster, but um, I was. So, because I even the because it's not CGI in the views, I so them in themselves are so weird. So it's not so much the scenes to it that make it creepy. It like I'm not gonna get too far ahead about it, but there's some scenes where of course you see like him doing things and use the props this uh makeup and stuff. And they are themselves just quite freaking weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It So I would imagine if you got a young kid now to it it'd be um, it freak him out. I don't think it scared him, but can I imagine it freaking him out? Uh, yeah, to me, it still holds up. Um, I'm still a little, I'm, uh, you know, a little desensitized. Yeah. Oh, I'm being a kid. Scared. You ever watch Twilight Zone? The movie or the series? The series. I think it yeah, I, I've I watched both, but yeah. Have you seen the scene with the the hat trick? He pulls the rabbit out of the hat. I, and then when he does it again, he pulls that big monster rabbit. Yes, I do remember that. As a kid, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. W- wasn't it the look on the rabbit's face, too? Yeah, and the long fingers, the fucking long claws. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, hell, that was the scariest book. And, like, the creepy eyes and then the big mouth, I think it was, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the kid had powers that he could, like, use, and he'd always torment his parents and stuff. Yeah, um... And I think they reshot that if if it wasn't in the series, they also reshot that for the movie. I think too, because actually Twilight Zone the movie. I just remember being a kid seeing that, walking out of the room and thinking, "Fuck that noise." <laughs> yeah, um, that's an underrated movie, Twilight Zone the movie, because um, man, there's another scene there's, talking about faces. There's another scene where Dan Aykroyd is like, "You want to see something scary?" and um, the guy picks up a hitchhiker, and Dan Aykroyd's the hitchhiker. Speaking of Dan Aykroyd, the tie-in with American Werewolf in London, John Landis, Blues Brothers, but um, yeah, Dan Aykroyd's like, you want to see something scary? And the guy's like, yeah. And he he's like, oh, okay, it's but it's really scary. You're gonna have to pull over. And so he pulls over, and he turns around, and then he just he 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 flips around to the driver, and his face with it's it's almost like the sound of like a mountain lion type shriek or whatever with like a. Free Freaky face, and that freaked me out. Oh yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah, I love. Twilight Zone was, was the shit then, wasn't it? Oh yeah. It was. <laughs> I, just, I, I still remember the theme song. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right there. <laughs> I'll insert that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like sync it with your voice and everything. No. <laughs> for the intro, it's uh, the voice has talking. It's just me doing the background. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna cut your voice for that. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna before we continue on this, I need a quick little break. One of those magical breaks. Hold on one second. Yeah, me too. All right, we're back. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna crack third and final one. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> we were talking about um, the third dream sequence, and this this part cuts into um, 
Alex, Alex Price is reading to David, um, which we find out is still part of the dream sequence. It's freaking awesome. Oh my God. I love this part. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, the, the, the act of her, um, uh, let's see. So she's reading. Yeah. She's reading to David and I think, think so that the reading part is not part of the dream sequence because he falls asleep while she's reading but then it cuts to another dream sequence which then just gets confusing because then we're like not sure what's when he's dreaming or not obviously we know like the 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 cut to the muppets on tv we can tell that's a dream which is this part's kind of interesting so it cuts to the muppets they're on tv and it's david and his family sitting around and there's someone knocking to the door and then the mom's like is somebody going to get that? The dad's like the typical dad, um, whatever. Like he's hesitant, but then he does get up and he opens up the door and he's greeted by a freaking, uh, a swarm of bullets from like a gang of Nazi monsters or army monsters. I, I'm not, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, this scene's freaking crazy. Um, I made it sound confusing in the beginning, but, um, um, he gets blown away. Like, um, the, but see, the even better part is when they blow away the mom. Not that that's better that they blow away the mom, but <laughs> they blow the mom away. <laughs> when she goes flying, they, they shoot her and she actually like flies. Like these bullets are like, they're like some magical, like propellant on them or something like that. Cause she goes flying across the kitchen. Um, and then I remember those Nazi monsters looking really fucked up too. Yeah, this um, I when I first watched it, I was like, "What is this? What 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 am I even watching?" No, they're not like werewolf looking either. I just remember them like 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 yellow eyes, kind of like dysfunction. Like one eye is big, like up up like the forehead a bit. And one eye is kind of like stroked down, like this kind of stroke, and they're like kind of sharp teeth kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little confusing because they're in, they're like soldiers or whatever, but um, then they're like, they're, I, I almost want to say they're like man wolf pigs. They're like part man, half half man, half wolf, half pig. <laughs> yeah, I, I just got a, uh, got a photo of, the, of one of them. And fuck me, they're not that creepy looking. Cause yeah, there's like, there's three of them, isn't there? I think. I th- one that looks like an ogre. There's one that looks like a bug. Yeah. And then there's one that actually looks like a werewolf itself. Yeah, they're all three kind of different a little bit. I, and then they all kind of blend together to me when I, especially when I first watched it. I was like, I don't even know what what the hell these things are, but they're they're blowing everybody away. Even the kids. It doesn't show it on camera. I don't know if they had to cut that. <laughs> but the fucked up part is David's. Um, David's. I think he's like studying and he's forced, then he's like interrupted with all his gunfire and shit. And then he's forced to watch his family get murdered at gunpoint. One of them has a, a knife. I'm not a gunpoint at knife point. Cause he's got the knife to his throat. Yeah. 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 And then they, uh, they even set fire to the place bef- right before slitting David's throat. And, um, <laughs> Like, what the fuck? And then they still continue to trash the place after they slit David's throat. And um, one of them, like, donkey kicks the the Muppets and breaks the TV. Like, the the Muppets are still on the TV. And he, like, he donkey reverse kicks and just shatters the TV screen. And uh, it's like a weird, like, like a weird 
re-noise. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, That's my new ringtone. Yeah, re! <laughs> it's like, it's so, it's so messed up. Because then, uh, so this is the part that I already fucked up in the beginning. Because, so... Uh, David wakes up um, and he tells Alex he has a nightmare um, because she's still at the same spot where she was when she was reading to him. But um, we realize that he's still dreaming when then Alex gets ambushed and knifed by one of those wolf man wolf pigs and just stabs her fucking just just keeps on stabbing her over and over. I don't know if you remember that part, but. Um, no, it's not. He just, yeah, it just goes to town on Alex. Um, thankfully, that's just a dream, and she doesn't really get stabbed because then, uh, then David really wakes up and he's like, "Holy shit!" He even says that he's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> 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 oh, I love that so much. Um, so yeah, then he's awake. I remember that? That's, that's, sorry, we're going back again. I've still got the image of that scene in my head. Just so fucking cool. Yeah, I love uh, that the dream sequence going into. It's a little confusing the way I said it. It was a dream sequence, then it goes into uh, Alex reading him, reading to him as he falls asleep. Then it's a dream sequence. He wakes up and he's still dreaming. Um, into another. I've actually had some of those before where I thought I. I uh, it's really really freaking weird. Where you think you wake up but you're still dreaming. I uh. I oh, man. I've only had that twice in my entire life. And, like, it is true. People say you see things. Like, if anyone, like, says, oh, like, I don't believe in ghosts, but you do see things. Kind of like, you know, figures of the night and stuff. And I've just come to terms with anything that become my close friends to me now because I'm just so used to sleep paralysis. I'm like, I'm Steve. How you doing? I'm suffering a sleep paralysis. Just give me a second. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, let me just talk to my demon that's right next to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wakes up from that scene that day. Yeah, so then he's really awake and then he's brought uh, breakfast. Some guy that's never appeared in the movie before um, uh, brings him breakfast, and this is where we first get to see Dead Man Jack. Um, and he's like, Hell yes, yes, this I. I can't even say how many times I'm saying this is wonderful, but uh, this is another amazing part of the movie where we see Dead Man Jack, um, and he's talking about Debbie Klein was crying a lot at his funeral and stuff like that. This is the second time that Debbie Klein is brought up, um, <laughs> which she has no part in this movie whatsoever, other than John Landis had an idea, I think. He brings her up so much because... Um, I was reading that uh, he was going to include her in part two, which never got made. But um. Also, can I mention when Jack comes back dead, he is still very mutilated. Oh, yeah. Fresh, too, kind of. Sick. Like, it, the, the, the props to the team, because that is, it looks cool when you see it. Hell, yeah. Um, Rick Baker was a special effects guy. He was... Uh, the expert yeah oh rick baker nailed it um if you look carefully if you can watch it again uh, with the scene when jack comes back dead you can see his jugular like clearly slit oh yeah i did notice it this um just when i watched it a few days ago you can see it and it's still a little uh it's got it's a little bit of uh that milky white to it a little bit you can tell yeah 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 
Oh man. <laughs> Which, um, I I don't know if it's this scene. I think it is this scene where Jack, uh, Dead Man Jack, asks for if he can have a piece of toast. And I guess they cut it out of the movie. They had to to keep the R rating. They had to cut some things out. And one of them was he's like, "Hey, can I have uh, that toast?" And he starts eating the toast, and then a little bit of it like falls out through his like neck or throat area or something like that. Um, <laughs> they cut. Yeah, they cut that out, but, um, oh. yeah. Um, so then, uh, Jack, he warns David they were attacked by a werewolf and Jack was murdered, um, an unnatural death. And now he walks the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. And he says, it's you, David. Take your life, David. Kill yourself before you kill others. Beware the moon, David. So he's like, he just now he just like lays all that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd be happy to see my friend again. I'm okay with it. Oh man, as dead as him dead. Oh, yeah, that'd be rough. I don't know. And then he just he just, he just drops a bomb on you that you have to kill yourself. Yeah, by the way. That reminds me of this, um, I don't know why, I had a flashback of a movie. You'll probably know the name of it. But it was about the, um, like, a bunch of immortal people where they ha- would try and kill each other. And the only way to kill each other was chop each other's heads off. Highlander. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't know why, I had a flashback of... Uh, when I was just when you were just talking about that, I was like, "What is that movie?" <laughs> oh, huh. <laughs> that's another. Uh, what is it? Eighties, nineties movie? Yeah, I think that's where the flashback because of course it's based during that time. That movie stands out. Um, yeah. My dad. Not really a horror though, is it? No, but ah, uh, what would you even classify it as? I don't know. Sci- fantasy, sci-fi, fan- not sci-fi, but fantasy. Uh, who knows? Yeah, nonetheless, I always remember being actually okay. It was actually pretty good. Um, it didn't seem like, of course, I haven't seen it in so long, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I brought that up. I just when you were talking, then I that just weird flashback of guys dropping each other's heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been something I said. I don't know, but <laughs> but then um, so then Alex. Um, she rushes in because David's like whimpering from just seeing his best friend um, as undead or whatever. And then what? So he like he just kisses her. Um, it's kind of like a weird sequence. She runs in and then he kisses her and he tells her he's a werewolf and was visited by his dead friend. Um, and um, like among all this, she offers him a place to stay. Probably from that kiss, right? I mean, that kissy kiss action might have like earned him a. He is right. He is just said, "Hey, look, I'm crazy." Well, to anyone else, right? Yeah. She's like, "Cool. You want to stay at mine?" <laughs> yeah. So, this is totally her initiating everything because she's the one who does the flirt. She initiates the flirting with the force feeding. Then she initiates the offering the place to stay. She's clearly like she clearly wants the D. She wants him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, she does though. Cause um, I mean, if it was the other way around, she would be creeped out. If it was the guy initiating. Yeah, 
it's just crazy. Like, if that's how it works to pull a girl, I'm just gonna start saying, "Hey, I see my dead friend. My God, you want to stay mine?" <laughs> right but yeah you can't be the one to initiate anything you just gotta let it happen cause um yeah, man, like a girl like comes up to you and it's like you know hey you're hot what are you into and I'm like I, I can see my little friend I'm a werewolf she's like oh my god <laughs> fuck yeah you must be great in bed you wild beast <laughs> <laughs> even when it's a full moon baby right <laughs> only when it's a full moon other times it's just eh it's alright other times but wait for that full moon <laughs> oh man um so then we've got the the subway scene do you remember that with the punks there's a bunch of punks in the subway yeah that leads to that, that really um that really cool scene with Jack again isn't it so yeah it's um he's like um they take a ride in the subway uh, they're going back to her place. He's like making funny faces as like two punks or uh, making out or whatever. And that's kind of like a funny little scene. But um, then Alex shows David her place and offers him her special place. No, <laughs> she's a, uh, she, okay. This is what she says. Get this. She says um, she's had seven lovers in her life. Three of which were one night stands. Like she tells him that in the bedroom. Imagine if it was like I have seven evil exes and you have to fight them all. <laughs> Mate, good luck. Yeah. Oh, well, hang on a minute. You know the subway scene when you see Alex? Yeah. Again. Mm-hmm. Isn't that when you find out that the longer he, the curse is on, the more he deteriorates? Not yet. You mean Jack? No. Jack, yes. Yeah. Not yet. Um. So. Yeah, that's a little. Just actually. Um. You're only like a few minutes back from that. So um, she's like in the bedroom. Then Moon Dance. Moon Dance, the song starts playing. And then there's a lot of sex. There's like shower sex and then like. <laughs> and then just a bunch of sex. I guess they had to cut out some of the sex. Um, but um, I remember that being really provocative when I was a kid. Like, because he goes down on her and shit like that. Like, that's not a lot of stuff. Not a. A lot of things you see in movies back then, really. Um, it's gonna suck if you're watching it with your parents, because like, you know, do you remember like being a kid and watching some like horror, or whatever it is, and then even the slightest side boob comes on the screen, mom's like, right, like, oh my god, <laughs> right, awkward. It makes for an awkward moment. Um, it's after all the sex. Then David gets up to pee in the middle of the night, and then he sees Dead Man Jack again. Yeah, and. uh He's not looking so great. Uh, it tells him, doesn't he say something that he's going to hurt Alex too? Yeah, so he says, um, tomorrow night's the full moon and you're going to change. Kill yourself before it's too late. He keeps on saying kill himself. And then David uh, David doesn't buy it. Um, he's like, I will not be threatened by a walking meatloaf. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's where uh, where Alex wakes up. She comes out in the living room. She's like, I heard voices. And then David tells her it was just him out there. Uh, which, I mean, that whole scene's kind of interesting because we get to see Jack. We uh, Immediately, like you said, we can tell Jack's um, rotting. Um, yeah, because I always remember that being quite a, a key fact in the movies and 
to any of the listeners and stuff, I'm not without spoiling anything. It is quite a big, not a big part, but it's quite a part in the movie that, that's defining with um, Jack and the whole idea of this curse going on for so long and what was happening to Jack. And that's why I remembered it and I, I didn't know if it was the way to see the bedroom scene, but there you go. Yeah, it's right there. Um, but she, they go back to bed because she's like, she tells him to go back to bed. I, I love the. I just need to say this again. Alex is freaking so attractive in this movie, not just physically, but she's like, come back to bed with me. And then, so they go back to bed, and then uh, David then tells Alex that he saw Jack again. So he doesn't. He waits till they get back in bed before he reveals that factor, and then um, he makes a reference to the original Wolfman, and he believes a werewolf can only be killed by some. Someone who loves them, which is kind of interesting thing that he says. Um, well, fuck turning into werewolf because then I'm just gonna be a werewolf for the rest of my life. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, at this point, are you, what are you thinking? You're David. Um, you've now seen your dead best friend twice appear. Are you thinking you're crazy for sure now, or do you thinking you're actually a werewolf? It would be one of those things where, granted, my best friend keeps appearing, but again, there is stuff, real things like PTSD and schizophrenia, and I would, I would probably, I, I would talk about being, if I was David in that time zone, or, you know, in that era, or would I be David, or would I be myself now in this you know, period of time? Right. Be, so if I was David in that time, and it was that, like, that, uh, it was the 80s, whatever it was, then, yeah, I'd definitely do what he would do. I'd be like, you know, I'm just going crazy, fuck it. I'm just going to see if I do turn into a werewolf. Yeah, I... <laughs> I think I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um, so obviously in this universe, um, werewolves exist because he's already talked about the Wolfman and he's already referenced other movies. So, but even with that being said, um, you're staying with a. I I would be distracted by uh by Alex, and I would just like okay. ignore it. I'd ignore it. Like I wouldn't kill myself when I've got a good thing going with her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you are getting I like. For like an hour, like in the shower and bed, and you told her you were crazy, and she fine with that. I mean, you could have saw it, man. Right? She's already accepted you as a fucking crazy man. Like she's willing. At this point, even if you are a werewolf, she's gonna accept you. She does have to learn how to do what um, Black Widow does to the Hulk. I'm like, you know, the sun's getting real low now. And- <laughs> right she needs to like set up like a dungeon a little dungeon room and then they can get like kinky role playing before he turns into a werewolf and then lock him up and shit <laughs> 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 that, I don't know that's what I picture but um, <laughs> so we're getting a little sidetracked but um, so then uh, the doctor so the doctor comes back into the picture. He goes all detective and he heads towards like East Proctor. Um, he goes and finds the slaughtered lamb and um, he goes inside. He kind of gets friendly. He orders, um, I think he orders like a pint of Guinness and then he's like, um, 
oh, he's, he's like, what's that? And he points to the pentagram and the, the barkeep, she's like, oh, that's been there for 200 years. We're going to paint it out, but it's traditional. So we left it like all, <laughs> she's kind of getting weird about it. And then the dart player, he gets all awkward. He awkwardly leaves. I forget what he says. Like, I need to check on the dogs or something like that. And he stands out in the rain waiting for the doctor to leave. Like, he's clearly leaving on purpose. And the doctor, and he's like, um, the dart player's standing off to the side in the rain, all creepy-like. And then he uh, he tells the doctor, um, yeah, the doctor's about ready to get in his car. He looks, he turns around, and the guy's just standing in the rain. Then he goes over there. And the dart player tells him the boy's in danger and it's almost a full moon and others are in danger. Um, that's kind of like an interesting little exchange because the, the dart player doesn't seem like the, the heroic uh, um, type of person in the beginning to like, because he's initiating them to leave in the beginning. So, um, yeah, I, I remember briefly that scene. That's the outside and he's got his coat over his head yeah he does he, he's just yeah. standing in the rain and then he gets caught by the bald guy and he takes off running with his hands in his pockets like he's a little child or something like that Freaking <laughs> <laughs> John Landis you, I mean if this wasn't such like a a good horror uh, movie, and it, it's got dark elements to it. Like you can see, you can see the comedy within some of the parts. I just don't, I don't, I didn't laugh as much the first time. I just found it creepy as fuck. But then, now as an adult, I find some scenes like really funny. But still, it's a good mix. On IMDb, it's classed as a comedy horror. Oh hell yeah! The yeah. It's strange for it to be classed as a comedy horror because, yeah, there is some funny parts, but when I was a kid, I spent more time shitting myself than laughing. Hell yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't I don't even think I laughed once. I remember my dad laughing. My dad laughed at some of the jokes and stuff yeah. like that, and I was... I guess being an adult, you can appreciate some of the, the, the humors. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the, the whole Spongebob thing. When you're a kid and you watch Spongebob and it's funny, but when you're an adult, you know it's the adult humor. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes, it's kind of like that when you're a kid, you watch the horror. All it is is the horror, but when you're an adult, you can laugh at the funny side of the, you know, the dark humor, I guess. Yeah. For sure. Like, oh, man. I... It's exactly what you just said, cause uh, you're too busy. You're like hypnotized by the by the spookiness of the movie, like when you're younger and stuff like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still seeing things. I am sorry. I've got a bit of a little. I'm drinking eggnog and it gets like caught up. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you watch it now and you see some scenes, you can appreciate the creepiness in it, even to this day. You know, being an adult, I can, look, I can watch some scenes in that, and without, I won't say them now until like until we talk about them. But there is some scenes in that movie where I'm like, no, oh, that is fucked up. <laughs> For sure, I, I, I still just two days ago, I got creeped out um, on a couple scenes, even though I kind of know that they're, I know that they're coming, but um, I don't know the way how's, it's shot. Real quick, how's my mic in there? Is it still good? Oh yeah. Yeah, you sound good. Um, 
sound great. The connection is good, which this is, um, by the way, people, listeners, monster squad hunters, um, <laughs> the, we are recording not both in person. Uh, the The mic quality is uh, it's still going to be it's still going to be good, but not as great as in person. But they'll understand. I mean, you're you're recording all the way from far, far, far away. So, well, don't get me wrong. In in the, in the near future, I will be getting a very, very professional microphone, and hopefully, that will increase it somewhat. Yeah, I mean. Um, you might see some increase um, when we're recording over over Discord and stuff like that. Um, I guess there's only so much you can really do to that. Um, Luckily, uh, hopefully I'm not cutting out too much. I am plugged in via Ethernet cable, and uh, hopefully that helps out a lot with me constantly staying connected. Yeah, I'm not getting any cut from you. Um, I'm getting a really good connection. So, and I tested the recording, but yeah, now we're getting a little sidetracked. Sorry, listeners, stay with us. This 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 episode is ten hours long. <laughs> they they're stuck. Actually, with podcasting, that's the best part. Who cares? Like you can go as long as you want. Um, it's actually almost better when you go longer. Where videos, like if we were doing a YouTube video, we would have lost our viewer long, long time ago. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm 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 a vivid podcast listener, as it is with many you know uh, podcasters out there. And it is one of those things where you can be sat doing something, listening to podcasts, cooking, playing a game. You know what I mean? So on the bus to work. Oh yeah. Me, I think they're fantastic. I love um, my. I think one of my favorite forms is uh, while driving. Uh, it keeps me awake more than music. Yeah, I'm a, well, as you know, I'm, I'm actually a musician. Um, yeah. And I still prefer podcasts over music. Um, of course, I'm a vivid hiker. I like to walk. and I, I just enjoy podcasts. Uh, I just think it's great to listen to people talk about subjects you care about and are interested in. And to the listeners out there, I'm pretty damn sure in the future when we've nailed this from the head and nailed it in the coffin, we will... We will It'll get tighter, as I, as, oh, yeah. as I said earlier. We'll rejuvenate that veg as it goes on. Yeah. yeah. I think next time I'll bring in the whiskey so I get a bit more Dutch courage. Talking to you about the beginning. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a key to podcasting. Usually it's drinking for me, but um, but I've been doing it for like over, oh, well, about a year, a little over a year now. Um, it gets easier. The flow gets easier. Like, I won't even have to edit any of any of this. There won't be any dead air, um, which is the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> As you get better with it, you don't, um, then you won't even have to edit at all. But um, yeah, let's get back to the movie. <laughs> um so there's a random scene I noted here. There's a dog barking at David. He's on the sidewalk as uh so Alex goes to leave to work and there's a dog like just barking at him and there's some creepy kids laughing at him. I just noted that down cuz I found them they're just like laughing at him and cuz their dog that they're walking is is strangely like attracted and barking at him and uh that's when he gets locked out actually of uh of alex's place and he has to crawl through the window and when he gets inside what's that uh, is this the dog that uh at david yeah yeah he's on the sidewalk um alex this is after uh all the sex the next morning and stuff she goes to work yeah and then 
so he's he's being a gentleman and he walks her to um I don't even remember if she gets a cab or not or if she has a vehicle but she goes to work and then he's just standing there and uh yeah this dog just comes along and starts barking at him so you know something's wrong you know even if you didn't know which you already know he's a werewolf but even I mean they give you little stuff extras like the dog doesn't like him which is a like a sign in a lot of things with the dog barking like a dark alleyway or a dog barking you know what I mean yeah. Uh, person. It's always the sign that, you know, there's something not quite right. Yeah, so with a dog, either the dog's an asshole or the person's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, There is no in-between. Uh, dogs know, and, or they're just fuck, they're just fucking assholes, and they hate everyone. Um, but... <laughs> really well put, put way to there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... So he crawls back through the window, and then he like jokingly. This is kind of a cool little scene. He he go he gets in front of a mirror when he crawls back in, and he like uh, he jokingly snarls in the mirror, and he checks his teeth for fangs, which it's half joking, half not, because he he snarls, but then he ch- actually checks his teeth, like he pulls yeah, back his. Like ha I wait. I actually a werewolf. Yeah, like he is still debating if he's a werewolf. It's gotta be shit, man. Like, I don't know if I'd be excited and intrigued. Like, if I got bitten by a werewolf, like <clears throat> my dead friend was like, "Oh, yeah, werewolf, you need to commit suicide." I'd also be in a state of mind of, "Am I?" Kind of want to see this play out. I'm in the exact same, um, the exact same road as you. I do not want to kill myself until I know. But even then, oh man, that's another discussion too. And then once you do find out, I'd still want to do the the sex dungeon with Alex. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'm a werewolf. How often? Oh, f- every full moon. That's only once a month. Sometimes, um, so that's only twelve times a year. So, what thirteen? It's also thirteen times. No, thirteen times a year. I forget how that plays out. I just I just did a podcast quick thing on Friday the 13th and the full moon, and I actually said, um, you can tell how many full moons there are going to be by how the day starts, and I forget what that is because I've been drinking, but... But <laughs> 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 yeah, you just like, just be more efficient with the weather telling and... But okay, real quick, if it's a full moon... Yeah. Right? Does it still affect you even if there's a cloud block in the full moon, or does the full moon have to be visible? Man, so this movie, it leans towards you have to see the full moon, but I don't think that, um, right? I just think it's a full moon. Um, but what about the full moons during the day? Have you ever seen, like, the moon during the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, but if it's the whole you need to see it to become it, like, what if you're just trapped indoors at all the time? Right, so... But this actually explains it in this movie, in this universe, American Werewolf in London. He's inside reading a book. Well, that's a little bit, just a little bit later, but... (laughs) We're getting towards that bit, actually, aren't we? Yeah, we're getting... Oh, man, we're getting really close to that, because Bad Moon Rising by CCR starts playing. Uh, David, yeah, he's restless. He's still not hungry. He's like, he's looking through the fridge. He's like, I'm not hungry. He looks outside for the full moon. He's uh, still restless, becomes more restless. Uh, Alex is at work. Back to the no kid. No, no, no. Um, And then it 
and it pans up towards the window and it shows the sky and the full moon in all its glory. And we get a slow version of Blue Moon this time begins to play and it cuts to David reading a book in the living room at Alex's place with Blue Moon still playing. Um, Oh my God. This scene, it still gets me. Like I, I anticipate it, but I fucking love it. And when he screams out, "Jesus Christ!" Like, yeah, yeah. oh man, it's got a massive migraine. Yeah, like um, like a migraine. Just like put it up his butt. Put something up his butt. Yeah, it's, that that I wrote. Like even if it's been ages since I've watched this movie, that scene stays in my mind. Until I die, because it is uh, it's one of the best scenes. It is up there in terms of movie, in terms of one of the best scenes for me. It's the greatest werewolf transformation in cinema history. Yeah, and and would you agree with me? The most painful. Yeah, so it was like I was talking earlier to you um, during Dog Soldiers. I was like, <clears throat> half of the horror of a werewolf movie if the werewolf movie is a horror, is not so much the werewolf going around just slaughtering people, it is the fear and the pain that the host or the person has to go through, turning into the horror knowing he's going to become a werewolf and, you know what I mean? And you oh. see it all there. Oh yeah. The pain and the struggle and the, you know what I mean? You see the emotions of him really like hating every moment of this. I think, uh without that it's not very powerful I mean it's still a good movie but it's not as powerful yeah and um, um I was trying to explain to my friends the other day about it because we to a podcast and I was like the horror like the horror behind it all is like when a vampire tells a vampire they're just a vampire you know they get bit they go ow and I'm like alright fine now blah 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 you know I mean a zombie's dead uh and the werewolf guy, he has to go through like puberty. You know what I mean? Like painful puberty. Oh yeah, I feel, I feel it's way more painful to turn into a werewolf. Although, uh, interview with the vampire touched on um, you have to die the dying part first, but that's another taught another conversation. But uh, yeah. mostly, it's a lot less painful um, to become a vampire than a werewolf. Like, imagine, yeah, you have to. A vampire grows teeth fangs a van a war a werewolf changes its body completely like and grows and and oh man it's uh did the sounds in that transformation too when his spine pops up oh my god um but like the whole the cleverness behind when he turns on his back and then it's his full-length body oh fuck you know so clever how they did that. You know he's underground too. Yeah, yeah, of course he's underground, like, you know, doing the whole old school thing. But still, like, that is awesome how they did that. Oh, I know. It looks realistic because he is underground. Only his, like, his head or his upper body is above ground, and the rest of him is all uh, practical effects. And, uh, oh man, uh, Jesus Christ. If, if, um, uh, Rick Baker, he left. Oh, I'm getting. <clears throat> I usually save this towards the end, but I have to talk about it right now because Rick Baker, the special effects expert, and he is an expert. Um, he was working on the Howling, and he left to go work for Landis, 
And you can see if you watch the howling, the transformation slightly resembles um, with less money involved. Uh, the transformation into a werewolf resembles a little bit of an American werewolf in London. All right. Please. Yeah. So if you look at the mouth extending when uh, when David's turning and for his uh, his jaw and his mouth is extending outward, um, there's a scene in the howling that slightly resembles that. Um, because it's the same guy, Rick Baker. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Jeez, I I could go on for it. I could go on for a long time with that the transformation, but um, uh, we probably should move on on there. <laughs> to all the listeners, they know that listens. If you haven't seen this scene, if we don't plan on watching the movie, just YouTube it because it's so good. It's amazing. It, it'll go down in history. Um. It is the best of all time from 1981 and it probably nothing will ever match it in our lifetime. Probably, probably I'm, I'm just going to go out there and say it. Even with CGI again, the whole problem with CGI is the years after the initial <clears throat> movie with the CGI, it just becomes useless and pointless to have. I mean, Wolfman, the 2010 remake, that seems really cool. Like it is, it is cool. But when you watch it now, it's like, it just looks like, it looks, it doesn't look good. <laughs> and you can watch a movie back in the 80s, uh, American World in London, and it looks amazing still to this day. Still to this day, yeah. It's freaking amazing. It's, uh, it's stuck with me so long that I wrote a, a novella. It's, uh, uh, called The Killing Moon. Uh, it's, it's actually a werewolf story. Um, and I had to include how painful the transformation is because if the pain, if the transformation isn't painful, then you got no werewolf story really. No, no, because that is the horror really just seeing that part alone kind of is, it, it brings the horror movie together. It makes you kind of sit back and do, oh shit, it's like, that's so for sure. <laughs> yeah, I drew inspiration from an American Werewolf in London. You gotta, it's, it had to have been powerful. So, and, and I created a, it was a, ten, it was the transformation happened behind a closed door, but it was still like, uh, I still had to make it pretty painful. Um, so, anyways, yeah, so he transforms <laughs> and then the killing, the killing spree begins. This is actually pretty fun. Like, uh, he kills a total of six people when he turns the first time, um, which is, um, it starts off with a couple. They get dropped off by a form of a cab, but it looks fancy. I don't know. Do you remember that? I don't even know what, if that would, it's, it doesn't, it's like a regular vehicle, but more fancy than a cab. Um, I remember the couple, but I don't remember the cab. Okay. I always, I always remember the guy in the underground. Okay. That's the, that is the scene that, that's the best kill out of all of the six, but the, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, the couple arrives, and then they're like, um, they decided to, uh, their fate is determined when they decide to go around back and scare uh, someone, a couple that they're visiting, rather than just go to their front door. If they would have went to their front door, they'd still be alive in cinema history right now, but they're dead, but it's a good thing that they died, because it's actually a fairly good one, because their bodies are found when the guy that they're going to visit, he goes outside after um, his wife or whoever, I'm assuming wife, tells him that there are lunatics out in the back again in the park or whatever, so he goes back there with a flashlight, I think, 
think, and um, he steps in the gore, and there's a gushy sound. So he steps in the in the guts of the the couple that were just mauled by by David in werewolf form. That one's pretty cool. Um, and then there are 